With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Believe it or not, Mr. Coburn, we are literally one week away from being halfway through the collegiate football season. <clears throat> We now have enough of a sample size to have a fairly good idea of who's good and who isn't. We have a pretty good idea of who is probably an NFL player and who probably isn't, at least amongst the draft eligibles, amongst some of the draft eligibles, the senior class and then I guess maybe some of the, some of the juniors. I, I try to stay away from redshirt sophomores and even true juniors when I can help it with a few exceptions. But fairly clear who some of these guys are. It's fairly clear who some of the teams are. And so we're going to play buy or sell the game sensation that's sweeping the nation. But before all of that, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I know that you have at various times bemoaned your fate as a um, – as a fan of the, the Bay Area's uh, most Bay Area-ish team. No offense to the 49ers who have essentially abandoned the Bay Area anyway, at least in my opinion, have abandoned the Bay Area. Well, they don't even play there anymore. That's what I mean. <laughs> that was what they I was play, talking about. So, they play in inner, you know, they play in the suburbs. Yes, they play in in the southern Silicon Valley or something now, or exactly. whatever. They it is. play where they have a lot of mini marts and like places you can get like the heat and stuff like that. Yes, exactly. There's almost no good place to get stabbed around where they play. Oh, oh no, no, Oakland Coliseum, no. Oh no. yeah, they don't even have hotels <laughs> around it. They have hotels. They got nothing. <laughs> Yeah, this is what Oakland Coliseum is. The first time I went to Oakland Coliseum, this, this is a true story. So it's raining, mm-hmm. obviously, because it's the Bay Area. Right. Uh, there's all these guys selling umbrellas. They're like, hey, umbrellas, umbrellas, you know, getting off the BART. And we're like, yeah, we'll buy an umbrella, whatever. I uh, get to the stadium. All the security guards are like, uh, everybody's going to throw away their umbrellas because <laughs> you might have to use them as a weapon. Well, yep. Some guy is grabbing the umbrellas in the pile that was getting thrown away and taking them to the guys in the very top, buying umbrellas. So it's obviously a very different experience. Uh, it's you know it's the rough and tough part of yeah. uh, of uh, the city. San Francisco, not so much. I've no. never been afraid. I've been lots of parts of San Francisco. I've never been afraid to go to San Francisco. There is what they call the com- there's what they call the combat zone, you know, and some areas around the Castro. I mean, San Francisco does have some patrol hills. Bad neighborhood, but it's like Fresno bad neighborhood. 
now. Right. I'm, I'm not saying they can compete with Oakland. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying I that mean, there are some rough I went, areas. I went on debating trips where pimps were basically asking our teachers, "Hey, you know, any guy, anybody need any service?" Right. You know? Right. I understand. No, I'm not just. I'm. I'm not disputing the fact that Oakland, you know, if asked to win a contest of sheer rough and readiness would, I think, be near the top of every measure amongst NFL cities. I mean, Philadelphia, at one point, obviously, especially when they played in, in the old vet, and for those of you who are too young to have ever visited the old vet or even the old RFK, whew. now where uh, the Washington franchise plays now is no longer, first of all, even very close to Washington. It's not even in D.C. It's in Virginia. Now, um, no, well, take it back. Landover. They're in Landover, Maryland now. Or something. I can't. They're they're ways away. Where it is, they're they're nowhere close to DC now. First of all, um, and the place is really nice. Unlike RFK, which was disgusting. Um, but but literally would rock. I mean, both of those places rock, and literally RFK would rock when people were really going. RFK would visibly, and if you were in it, you could feel it moving. It moved. It moved visibly. You could see the place shaking. Uh, and they don't have anything like that in, you know, wherever they are now, uh, FedEx, Field, or whatever the heck you call it. Uh, doesn't have any of that. And similarly, Santa Clara, good God, people. What, was Cupertino not available? Um, I'm, no, I'm not a fan and never will be a fan of, calling your team New York but playing in New Jersey, calling your team San Francisco but playing in Santa Clara, calling your team Washington and playing in well, Northern Virginia. Reduce, or... We have to reduce the traffic, though. I mean, traffic's so horrible. You know, you have to well, the traffic's, the worse. traffic's worse because now you can't use public transportation. What kind of vast, backwards thinking is that because of traffic we're <laughs> going to put it 30 miles down public, the road public, where you have to public, drive? Public Public transportation, right, right. Yeah. You know, nobody likes public transportation, especially our well, holders. Oh, God. It's just the logical way to go. One is it's cheaper. You don't have to park. Oh, sure. You don't have to worry about. No. I mean, that's why Oklahoma City is pretty easy to go to because right. you don't have to park. You can just take the BART, and you can pretty much take, right. go to any suburb around that area and they have parking so it's easy to get in um it's just (laughs) this is well listen this is just the way it is correct california is all about high in case you haven't seen true detective season two uh california's a lot about highways about driving to places uh not really into that not into that new york taking this cab subway you know, we have Uber drivers in California, but even that yep. is kind of a little overrated uh, in California. Um, have you been in Uber? No. Of course, yeah. I, uh, I, I know I've never done Uber. I know something. Yeah. Lyft, Uber, yes. But, but here's the most important thing. Here we are in a situation where we keep talking about revitalizing the downtown areas, right? What better way is there to give a huge shot in the arm to your downtown area 
than putting your football stadium in downtown wherever you're talking about, right? Now your downtown area, which in many places could really use the help, right? I mean, there's a few thriving downtown areas. And yeah, I mean, downtown New York is going to be fine without a football stadium. I get it. They're okay. But loads of downtown areas, I mean, I would think with a couple of exceptions, most of our major metropolitan areas are looking for that thing that's going to help them to employ people, help them to drive other ancillary and related businesses towards their major metropolitan city center. Landover, Maryland doesn't need a huge economic boost, you know. Santa Clara was doing fine the last I checked. I mean, that's the other thing that bothers me is we're, we are well, we're bringing okay. – I have the answer for you, and you're not going to like it, but uh, the way things work is very – instead of being very insular with how they spread out new businesses, they kind of try to put them away from – the poor people, essentially. Yes, I so, noticed that. That's that's a good way to put it. They're trying to move them away from the poor people. Yes, that that describes it perfectly. Because well, like Fresno, RFK, old RFK was certainly in a area where you could see poor people quite easily. <laughs> well, I I'm just that's the way city building is a lot. That's one of the things that I was arguing when I. This is kind of off topic, but I was on the Fresno City Planning Committee, public committee, to do stuff. And I was arguing with them over and over again about <laughs> downtown revitalization because they were basically like, we're going to we're gonna make downtown look prettier, and that's going to help bring jobs. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really – making the downtown look prettier doesn't bring jobs. People are still going to be stabbed and robbed. I mean, you have to exactly. help – you know, we have to fix the education system and and get these people into jobs and make them small business owners. Like, you have to do that stuff, not making stuff pretty. But I'm, I'm just saying that's what it is. We have a situation where there's poor people, and we want to get away from the poor people. So we're going to build all our stuff where there isn't any poor people, where it's a safe distance. As as even my mother would say, if they can walk to you, they can stab you. So if you can <laughs> if you can put it far enough away that none of those people run into you, because that's like a big problem. Is people even most people go to me and go, James, do they really stab people at Open Coliseum? And we've had like a few times that people were stabbed. It's a rough neighborhood. It doesn't happen that often, but the fact that one person gets the, the fact that one person got stabbed freaks everybody out, which I can understand. Yep. But it's just <laughs> what it is. They don't want to build it in downtown. They want to build it far away from downtown. That way they can control, you know, there's not going to be any homeless people in Santa Clara. There's not going to be no. any no. riffraff in Santa Clara. No. no. Not gonna be no any or Landover or – Right. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, they, they've, I mean, back in the old days, and I can remember back when the Patriots played, you know, in Boston. Now, obviously it was a very long time ago and they used to, in fact, at one point they played in the Yale Bowl 
if you want to go back, I'm not Yale Bowl, I mean the Harvard Bowl, sorry, if you want to go back long enough. <laughs> no, I don't really remember when they were playing in the old Harvard Bowl, but I do remember mm-hmm. why they were building, I remember why they were building the, you know, the stadium, you know, uh, where they, well, it's not the same way they play now, but the stadium where they played right before the stadium where they play now. And, you know, there were some people who were like, who were grumbling about it. You know, some of the Bostonians were grumbling a little bit, but it wasn't, they didn't raise a huge ruckus, you know, they, but they say some of them, especially some of the older fans who had been there from the very beginning of the AFL grumbled a little bit. They were losing, you know, easy in-city access, and, you know, to, to a team that, frankly, you know, with exception of its early, early days in the AFL had been a very good franchise. And then, fell on hard times for a while there. But as they, you know, began to, you know, Victor Kayam and whoever and others, you know, got interested and they moved away. And then now, obviously, with the Kraft family, you know, they, you know, they're in a very different kind of situation from where they were 40 years ago, uh, where I won't say they were a fringe franchise, but they were not a flagship franchise 40 years ago. I'll put it that way. Uh, they were they were not one of the more well regarded franchises. They didn't uh, they weren't one of the more valuable franchises, and they weren't a very good franchise. You know, so I remember when Van, Randy Vataha and, and Jim Plunk got drafted as a package deal out of Stanford and struggled mightily uh, together up there. the The thing is that, but when I was coming along, most of the teams were playing in the city, right? You had very few teams who had moved out and away. So if you're going to see – the Jets were still in Shea Stadium at the time. So you could take the number seven train and go to the, uh, the Jets. The Giants had moved by that point, but had moved not long. They had just moved, um, maybe a year or two before I started watching, um, to their, their new – you know, with the AstroTurf and everything. They were so excited, you know. Um, and then, you know, a few years later, I was tearing that stuff up. But, um, but yes, I mean, the vet, obviously, it still was right, I'm going to say right smack dab, but was very much, if not the center, then well within the boundaries of Philadelphia. Oh, you, sure. Right, but Three Rivers. But I bet if you did some demographic data, you would notice that it was probably a much richer area during that time period where they had the stadium. And now, like, if you just compare the sort of, you know, how much money everybody makes in that area mm-hmm. at that time versus now, you might see a significant drop. Well, you know. you're probably right. You're probably right about that. There, there, a lot of those areas may indeed be, you know, economically challenged, for lack of a better way of putting it. Uh, I, I think one of the the things that I found interesting, it isn't just sort of the white flight aspect of it, uh, where it's people trying to, as you said, stay away from what they perceive as the more dangerous, risky, frightening areas, <laughs> or however you want to put it. Uh, yeah, the perception of, you know. The perception, right, perceived. right. Right, like perception, right. perception, perception, crime perception. <laughs> right, perception, crime perception. There you go. That's an excellent name. Uh, because all it takes is one stabbing, one mugging, one robbery, one 
gang fight, one whatever, and people are, are terrified, you know, for a lifetime. I can't go back there. Uh, to, to their credit, Houston has not fled Houston. Um, they are very much in a pretty easy part of Houston to get to where their stadium is located. Um, Dallas is not in Dallas. I mean, their stadium is not in Dallas. Um, it's not terribly, it's not terribly far from Dallas, but it's, you know, no, clearly not in Dallas. But it's, uh, Dallas makes sense because Dallas is very spread out. Kind of, it's you know, incredibly I, spread out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, right, right. The original uh, stadium was in the northern. It still was within the city limits, but it was in sort of the northernmost part of the city, close to the Fort Worth border, if I guess you want to call it that. Uh, not far from the Arlington Fort Worth borders. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I believe we've been joined. Oh boy. I guess it will be Sark postmortem time in a second. I believe we've been joined by our California correspondent, Mr. Donovan J. Is that you, Donovan? Yes, it is. How's it going? How's it going, guys? Well, uh, for the most part, the world is a good place to live, unless you are a USC Trojan fan. <laughs> yeah. I, I, have, <laughs> I, have noticed, I have noticed that Trojan Nation has taken this particular loss super hard, Don. I mean... Yeah, we lost to Washington at home. After just losing to Stanford at home, the first time we lost back to back home games since uh, Pete took over in the one. So it's pretty bad, <laughs> I must say. I mean, I don't really. It, it's it's like baffling almost, man. Um, to be honest, just you know, it, it's just baffling. The, the play calling and the, the talent. Yes, yes. Let's stay with the play calling for a moment there. Twelve points, um, and it's just. Uh, so it's tough. It's a tough loss, man. I mean, it's uh, you know, there's some Dodger fans that really don't really care about you. I mean, I'm an Angels fan, so we missed the playoffs by one game, and then you know this happened. So <laughs> pretty screwed right now. I mean, the Lakers are a mess too. So <laughs> it's not looking too great in LA right now. <laughs> you mentioned play calling, and I have defended Steve Sarkeesian at various times. I am now resigning my post as a apologist for I am officially turning in my resignation as a Sarkeesian apology. What the hey? What was that about? What? 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 You know, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm sorry. I, I thought it was a great hire. I, I, I like something to the guy. Um, and I thought Max Nikas did a good job with both hires. With Hayden, the staff great. I mean, I have uh, you know, that staff does – they do a good job um, for what I see. I do recruiting, honestly. They do a great job of recruiting. <laughs> they do a great job, and I've actually come to know a lot of the, the guys um, on staff that just do recruiting, not not the coaches, but um, they do a really good job, um, all of them. It's like extended family, the coaches, and, and they just got to keep the play calling together, man. It doesn't matter what recruits you have um, if you're scoring so far. I watched at home. Um, it's really like I, I broke it down, man. I, I rewatched the game again. Yeah, this comes on the play calling, and it's not Justin Wilcox's fault. I've been not a Justin Wilcox project. Um, I've been kind of putting in more on him, um, so more so than the team. And this one starts, man. You know what I mean? This is all him. The play calling, obviously, the the field goal was the main call that was bad. Yep. But it wasn't just that. There was more calls nope. than that. Um. 
I, I mean, uh, I can go into detail about it and whatever, but I mean, when it's all said and done. Oh, oh we, don't worry. We will go into detail about it. Yeah. We have all the time in the world, Donovan. We have all the time in the world. Hey, I don't have all the time in the world, but, <laughs> but I, I mean, you know, going into that, he's 12 and 6, man. We're, we're two, three and 2, whatever. Um, and I don't know, the season's not lost. There's a long, long season left, but I mean, it's, it's rough, man. Obviously, the schedule um, it's rough. I mean, they, they play, you know, Notre Dame, Cal, and Utah. I mean, if he loses yep. those two games, he's going to get fired. So I mean, I, I mean, we gotta win something. I don't know what they're gonna win out of this game. Um, they played Notre Dame pretty well. Um, this is a different Notre Dame team. Um, mm-hmm. Utah and Cal. We'll see how they both look. Uh, some people don't believe in Cal yet. Either way, it doesn't matter. We lost to Stanford and Washington at home. Um, the the home losses are rough, man. Um, that's the main thing. Um, if you know Trojan Nation well, like I do, and the fans there, the aura is gone. The or is gone, and that really is just about W's and wins. Or wins and losses, W's and L's, you know. It's not um, – a lot of the casual SC fan base doesn't really pay attention to play calling and stuff like that too much. Um, you know, the, the other fans like me and the other guys, um, they do. And we see it. You know, I actually saw a tweet from um, Plasky and Lindsay Theory. Lindsay Theory, is a, she's been at every game for the past five years. And yep. she is a huge Sarks woman, <laughs> and she was just done with it last night. I saw her tweet, and I follow her yep. pretty much. I mean, she's the best beat writer to me um, that does USC stuff, and she was just like, he's, it's, it's about time for her to go. I mean, he's got mm-hmm. a season left, but, um, I mean, the word right now is just salt. You know, <laughs> um, that loss last night, was the Stanford loss was bad. At home, but it's Stanford still. Like Stanford hasn't lost yet, so like, they just surprised probably, probably, probably better than what we thought. But this Washington losses, there's no excuse. I've been I've made so many excuses for for this team over the years since Sark's been there past few years, and there's just nothing to say. I mean, you can laugh at me or at all you want. It doesn't really matter because it's terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a it's a it's a really bad loss. One of the worst losses in the past five years to me. Um, just because they're better, they're better talent in Washington, and they their coach, you know, was at Washington. <laughs> you know what I mean? He knows a lot of these players, and it was just at home on a Thursday night, and it was just flat. They they came out flat from start to finish, and it was embarrassing. Um, I to be honest, it's like emotionally it's embarrassing <laughs> for that loss to happen. It's just you don't do that. You know, it was the same when I thought the Oregon fans when they lost to Utah. It was embarrassing. You know, so. Okay, so, so Isaiah, Isaiah, I'm going to put you in the locker room, right? You've just suffered maybe not the worst loss in recent memory for the program, but a bad loss. What do you say to your team after a bad loss that keeps one loss from turning into two? How do you turn that around, Isaiah? Well, that's a tough question right there. Um, well, if you're going to be a coach, that's a question you have to answer. <laughs> I'm just an OC. I'm just an OC. I know, but I'm saying that's still a coach, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> unless I checked, that's still coaching. 
Uh, you do talk to players, right? Yes. <laughs> we have I'm just making sure. Does the mosque yet? No, I, but I'm saying <laughs> you can't you can't not be prepared for that though. That is something I assume you prepare for as part of preparing to coach. Uh, well, basically, what you got to do is you got to t- uh, uh, go after. You know, talk to the team. You know, go over what you went wrong, and you know, correct from your mistakes, and hopefully putting that uh, into effect with your next game plan. Make sure you don't reoccur with the same mistakes you made that previous week. Um, yeah, I think there's there's two things you want to attack right away. I think one is you want to take, especially as the OC. I mean, if you're the OC and you know that your game plan, at least in part, led to the loss, you've got to say that. You've got to say, "Hey, my bad." You know, just as you would want anyone to own up to what they did or didn't do, you have to say, hey, that one's on me. We should have done this differently and that differently and that differently, right? But now you've got to make clear that turning of the page. You know, yeah. you've got to say there's a time limit, whether it's 24 hours or 48 hours, whatever it is. Let, yeah, let's, let's let this kill us for 48 hours or 24 hours. Think, let, it, let it feel like razor blades and then being dumped in acid, and then being dumped in lemon juice, and then rolled around in hot <laughs> ice or whatever. Right. But you've got to say, well, you got to have a limit for it. Like, let's be in agony for the next 24 hours, and then we'll meet here again at noon, and it's gone. Because these are young guys, at least some of them are. Uh mm-hmm. This is a team that's got a fair number of underclassmen. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but I think out of There's the 85 scholarship players, I believe 35 people who've seen snaps in game action this year, and you have to correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Donovan, but I think 35 of them are underclassmen. Is that correct? Yeah, we don't even have 85 snaps? guys yet. We don't even have Oh, that's right. Guys. They still don't have yeah. 85 but, yet. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, when, it, when do they I mean, finally not, get to 85 again? Good God, this has gone uh, on forever. It, I mean, it, it's a number of. I mean, Bryce Dixon's gone. Jalen Copes Patrick's gone. There's a couple oh, of other players right. that we have a few players that, that didn't get their grades up, and then Bryce got kicked out. So, um, oh, yeah. they Bryce still has a scholarship. It's just he can't play. And same with Jalen Copes Patrick. Um, right, right. But yeah, I mean, we're not. I mean, it's like 75, so we're not killing. But I mean, it's uh, if you walk on. So yeah, there's 35, I believe. I mean, obviously you started Biggie Marshall, the true freshman, Cameron Smith, Porter Gustin, Osa Mensah, Kenny Bigelow. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so yeah, those are just freshmen. I mean, not even other classes. So yeah, it's a young team, but I mean, still. <laughs> um, yeah. I got a question for you, Donovan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you yeah. think do you think the head coach may be a little bit in trouble with his job? You know, it's been a few <laughs> years now. <laughs> wow. Do I, think, I love uh, your sense of understatement, Isaiah. <laughs> yeah, he's in trouble, man. Um. Not as bad as, like, the national media thinks, but, boy, this was a personal. Like, I know people are like, oh, he wasn't the first guy hired. Max Nikias wanted to hire Coach Starks. That was his first hire. He didn't want any of these guys. He's just the president of the school, so he's not going to make that hire himself. You know, he's going to let Pat do his thing, Pat Hayden, the AD. Um, you know, so there were some guys that got their name done. But, yeah, he's on the hot seat for sure. I mean, he. Like I said, man, they have three tough games, man. If USC um, loses these three games in a row, I don't see how he makes it into um, December. 
or excuse me, uh, November. I, I just don't see how you just go in there two and five. Like you can't. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I, I've never seen them be two and five really play in my life. So I, I've, I've literally, seen it, but it's been a long <laughs> time. It was yeah, the dark really days of the Ted, the Ted, dark days of the Ted Tolder yeah. era when you guys were rolling out Brad Otten and, and Kyle Wahl. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kind of remember that. That was a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, Sark was playing back then, so, I mean, it's it's been a while. But, yeah, I mean, he's definitely in trouble. He's not, he's not on the hottest seat in the country, um, in my opinion, but he's on the hot seat now. He was on a warm seat. Now he's on the hot seat. Um, Max, I think, is, is – is, uh, he's a new president. Um, Pat Hayden's a new AD. Pat Hayden's on the hot seat, too. A little bit, so they're all kind of just together with it, you know. Um, but we'll see how the season plays out. It's early, so. Hey, Bill. Um, we've had some previous NFL firings with Kevin Coyle and Joe Philbin. Do you think any of them will maybe get any college look? No, I mean they might get into college, but not at SC. USC and Donovan can can speak to this. Has a a way of hiring and a type. That they hire. Don't they hire like their former players? Uh, they they look they look for a certain type of former player though. Uh, we just explain the USC hiring like who gets these jobs uh, to to Isaiah uh, Don. <laughs> um, I mean, the past two coaches have been it's the West Coast offense guys. It's guys that they've ran the West Coast offense uh, for a long time now. Obviously, since you were talking about Brad Allen and those guys, um, Paul Hackett. So the head coach, ever since then, you know, we've been kind of running that offense and usually go for a guy. I mean, we've been trying to go for a little bit of a younger guy because um, we like our coaches to stick around. We want our coaches to stick around, you know what I mean, for a while and not make that jump to the next level. So, um, yeah, West Coast offense, good, got to be a damn good recruiter. Um, yeah, it's in Southern California, mm-hmm. it's easier to recruit, but you've got to go into get your Leonard Williams out of Daytona, Florida, or your Dwayne Jarrett. You know what I mean, or whoever. You know, you're Joe McKnight from Mike, New Mike, Orleans. Mike Williams out of like, Mike Tampa. Williams, yeah, right. You've those kids, do that. those Louisiana so, kids that they get, yeah. So just West Coast offense, uh, developing the QB position, and um, obviously probably offense, and uh, you know, a uh, good recruiter. Um, you know, um, that's what we've had really. So, um, for the past, and then obviously, you know, the last two coaches have been under Pete, um, regime when he was there. So. Uh, they go for high-energy personality it, 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 type Usually, yeah, media, man. Like, the link isn't higher to me was never going to work. Like, he would have had to be almost perfect for that higher to work just because, like, he's so bad with the media. Um, you got to be – and Sarge is really good with the media. Like, he's media-friendly, um, but they don't really care about it right now. He's not winning. But <laughs> you got to be really good with the media because the demands of USC football are different from every other school in the country than me. Because it's in because, LA. Because, you, because USC, for a while, and of course UCLA is by taking this one, but they were the NFL team basically in Los Angeles. Yeah. Well, exactly. one question with that you talk about the type of hirings they made due to the lack of, you know, uh, you know, coaching, produ- uh, what coaches have been producing for USC, do you think they may change their philosophy in the hiring? Nope. Like we go for something else? Nope. They like what they like. I can almost guarantee you the next guy will be another one of the same type of guy. They'll they'll look for a guy that has, <clears throat> if he's not a guy oh, with an offensive uh, background, there's at least 
look for a guy that they know knows a lot of good offensive lines because this is a place that draws a lot of great wide receiver talent and quarterback talent and wants to continue to draw a lot of great wide receiver and quarterback talent. And that won't happen if you don't have somebody they feel like can help them to get to the NFL level. Oh. So they're looking for So they don't care about wins, they just care about the NFL. Well, it's a, it's a, it's well, it's it, the two things tend to go together, actually, Jim. Generally, if you're oh, cranking out a lot of NFL guys, so, you usually right. win. So, so, so all the all the USC quarterbacks over the last uh, ten years, awesome, right? Well, they're being they, really hacked out of places yeah. like Alabama and Texas at the position. The one thing, if you talk to a college staff, it's not their job for them to be good in the NFL. Once they get drafted, on the coaches. I, I don't understand why Davis. people say, like, USC quarterbacks are bad. Well, Carson, Carson Palmer, Palmer is not just about Either way, I mean, they could all be good quarterbacks. So they all be all pro. It still really doesn't matter what they did. It's the coach in the NFL. I mean, it'd be cool if, you know, Sarks took – Cody Kessler on the road to the NFL, then it would be his fault if he was bad. But, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, well, it doesn't matter what – matter the play, you know. Well, it doesn't matter about Jordan. Cody Kessler because he's not going to be a good NFL player. But Oh, I mean, um, I was using that as an example. <laughs> I mean, Jordan Cameron, Jordan, Cameron, Jordan Cameron played 15 percent of the snaps, and he is a good tight end. So it doesn't really – Well, it's really the free <laughs> cast, he, he saw the criteria, the physical characteristics of the elite tight end. Except for the, he produced talent, yeah. just not, like, so. quarterback level. Or like receiver. I said, they're out producing a whole lot of places. Yeah, the quarterback. Why did you like I like, said, like Bill said, a whole bunch of schools, no. a whole bunch of schools would trade places with them in terms of how many right. guys are getting game no, checks. They're, they're, but they're, that's they're, they're, the, that's not, the game checks is not the issue. It's it's a brand. Okay, sure. People like sure. to drink Starbucks. It doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that it's the best cappuccino I've ever had in my life. Nope. USC not, seems like that, that to a certain extent that a lot of these guys that are getting paychecks in the NFL as backups are really getting that paycheck because they're Starbucks brand versus actually being a good, nice, tasty, refreshing uh, cup of coffee. Sure. And a lot of Alabama defensive backs are essentially – you know, bad coffee in a really nice mug or really nice container well, well, or whatever. Well, well, that that happens a that happens a lot of places. Yeah, that's been happening since the beginning <laughs> of football, and it's never going to stop unless you get your program good enough to, you know, boy, you say with nothing, they can get a player probably looked at, and now they get players drafted. So I mean, you just Here, here's you th- th- this is the basic point I'm trying to make. You say USC has an identity. I say I don't think that identity is conducive to to winning. National championships football game. Um, it was for mainly a while, because but not anymore. Well, you keep going on. Well, that's, that's, that's not a, that's not an issue of identity. Bad play calling has nothing to do with your team identity. You know that's bad you play can, calling. Bad play calling is bad play calling, and that falls on the coach. I mean, that's the coach called a bad. But the they played Washington. They played Washington, Bill. This is not like. This is a team that barely, like, could do anything against Boise State, and you're telling me that they got well, out. Boise, well, first of all, Boise State's a, 
Voice Voice is not a bad little program, as you know and I know and we know. That's a good. That's a program that gives people trouble. You're telling me that a program where the head coach was there recruited most of the kids that are still there, and the defensive coordinator was also there, coached most of the people that were there, got out coached by yes. this other team. Yes, and he that's still has a job. Well, I didn't know that I didn't say he should, but yes, I'm saying that's what happened. And I'm saying that UC doesn't really have an identity because, you know, they used to be Pete Carroll sort of identity where they actually had linebackers, like really good linebackers. Yeah. That has really, yeah. That's really I've been saying that for since he left. We haven't had a, a I mean, I love Hayes Fullard and Deion Bailey. Um, those two guys are great, especially Hayes, but those, those guys aren't, you know, starting quality. <laughs> you know, they weren't even like linebackers. linebackers. Yeah, they weren't even the top linebackers Our in hybrid high safety. school. Yeah, they weren't even top linebackers in high school, let alone, um, you know, pro level. Because, I mean, like I said, pro level is pro level. I don't – Sarks doesn't care about that. Neither should we as SC fans. But high school level getting five-star linebackers, yeah, you got to do that, and we haven't done that. Cameron Smith, yeah, but Sarks isn't going to be there when Cameron Smith develops. Cameron Smith was really good at inside linebacker, but, you know, it, he's a true freshman, and we'll see how that lies out, but. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's just it's it. Uh, you know, James has a point. I mean, that's a that's, it's just a, it's a mm-hmm. really bad loss. I will say, most of those guys yeah. that started recruiting aren't there though because they had twenty four true freshmen or, or sophomores. So that's even worse though <laughs> to me. It would have been better if like those guys were there that starts coach. This is a bunch of guys that you know were leftovers almost. Can you imagine if Jim Harbaugh took that job there? That well, job? It's it's fairly easy to imagine it. Not that it would ever happen. He yeah, is I'm the kind of guy. He, he is the kind of guy. But, yeah, but he is the kind of guy they would hire, right? Um, NFL background, I mean, yeah, strong personality, great with the medium. He he is the kind of guy they would hire. That is the right kind. And Audron, unfortunately, isn't that kind of guy. He's not as great with the media. He doesn't have the great Q value. He doesn't look great on TV. doesn't look great in a set of sweats or whatever. He's, he's you know, a big, lumpy, former defensive lineman. And if you look at the history of their guys that they've hired, they haven't been guys like Ed Audron. I wanted Audron to get the job. And the only person I wanted to get the job more than Audron was Chris Peterson. That was the guy I really wanted to get the job. And so it was particularly, you know, painful, obviously, Peterson go to, to Washington. But if you understand what it is they tend to prize in a coach, a coaching you know, prospect or a coaching hire or whatever, you get a good sense of who's likely to get the job pretty yeah. quickly. You, yeah, you you got to really know who's in the room. And the, the head head guys in the room are Obviously, J.K. McKay, you know, John McKay's son. Right. Um, right. He's the director of football operations. Um, yep. And the assistant AD, Pat Hayden's the AD, and then Max Neek is the president. Um, and he's pretty yeah. hands-on for a president of a school for, like, sports. Like, he's, he's one of the guys that's – because we're, we're, you know, SC's pretty well-balanced around, you know, at sports more than others. Like, you know, some other schools just get out. Yeah, they're really good at waterfall. So, I mean, they're really good at lots of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, those guys look for different things. I feel like John McKay wants an SC guy, you know, obviously because 
he, that's all he's known. You know what I mean? JKK wants that. And I feel like, you know, Pat Hayden's kind of balancing what he just wants wins, man. He's at his job on the line. Nobody's going to fire McNeek as the president of the school. So, I mean, you know, he's got a good – I think McNeek is kind of wants a guy that's just really immediate friendly. And, you know, he's worried about the Bucks. You know, so he's worried about – they're all worried about wins. They all want different things in a sense. Um, and there's other guys in the room too, but, I mean, those are the three main guys. Um, and I'm not really – Pat Hayden, like – so a lot of people want him gone too. I think Pat's done a pretty good job, man. Um, he's he's having like health issues and stuff right now that he's trying to get through. Um, some like stuff with his family, and I mean, he's done a pretty good job for what it's worth. I mean, I know he did hire Kevin Stark, but I don't know. I mean, I think Pat Hayden's fine. I don't think he's on his hot seat. As, uh, I don't no, even think he's no. really on the hot seat as much as people think at all. I think he'll um, be sorry. there as long as he wants to be there. I, I think that's the situation with him. Yeah, Pat Hayden's just, you know, his age. People keep talking about he's too old to be AD. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know, man. Pat Hayden's not that. I mean, yeah, he's pretty old, I guess. But he's like 65, I think. But, <laughs> I mean, I think he's... He's about to die, Donovan. We must replace him. <laughs> he's about to die. I don't think it's held that bad right now. I think it's gotten a lot better. Um, at one point, it was pretty scary. You know, he, people were talking about him stepping down. Um, I don't know what the exact health problem exactly, was. Exactly, because he's about to die, Donovan. <laughs> well, I hope Pat Hayden doesn't die. He seems like a good guy. Good play-by-play. Pretty good agent. Cut him loose. Put him on the <laughs> iceberg and kick him out to the sea. <laughs> <laughs> he, I mean, hey, he might go, man. Just depends how the rest of the uh, season goes because the basketball team ain't looking too great either. So <laughs> he's not done a good job with that hire either. So that has a big part to uh, do with it as well. Well, I think the main thing that they're facing as a program at this moment is that the sense that, first of all, the sense that they get the creme de la creme in Southern California with the rise of UCLA, that's no longer the case. They don't go down and scoop up most of the best kids. You know, they don't they no longer even have a fence, as we used to say, built around Southern Cal you know, Southern uh, California. No. It's great, to be a, it's great to be a national recruiter, but look what happened to Miami when they stopped dominating, getting the best kids in Southern Florida and became mm-hmm. a quote-unquote national recruiter. They, they're still a decent program, but when they were dominating Southern Florida, they were clowning people week in and week out. They were a ludicrously good program in those days. And if you yeah. can't dominate the local talent base, you you can compete, but you can't be great. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right about that. They, they've missed hey, – they, I mean, for as good as their recruiting classes have been, um, their recruiting classes never really fell off too bad. It was just uh, the scholarships. But, uh, you know, their recruiting class was number, number one, uh, well, 1A, 1B without Alabama. But, I mean, it, it's, you know, it doesn't matter, like I said, and it's really – like, yeah, like you said, they, they've missed on some guys. No, they were surprised how good their recruiting class was. Um, they actually did better than I thought they were going to do. Because um, they've missed on guys, man. And they missed on, you know, uh, Rosen, you know, bad. Uh, they missed on KJ Costello, who has a pipeline being from Rancho Santa Margarita High School, you know, uh, with, with Carson and, and then uh, Mark Sanchez. So, I mean, they've missed on... They missed some guys dating back to, like, Anthony Thomas, man. They missed because kids didn't want to go to SC because they, they didn't – scholarship sanctions, you know what I mean? So, 
they missed on all types of guys in the past two years. So it just it's finally trying to catch up, but you know, you might need another man in charge um to get like the Southern California guys. You know? I just hope that they can get a good staff together if it starts is fired because uh like I said, I do like the full staff. So might, the head coach might be not good, but I do like like T Martin like needs to stay on staff. You know, <laughs> like uh, Marcus Tuasasoko needs to be on staff, in my opinion. But those guys are sure. really good recruiters, and they've done a good job. I mean, T. Martin's done a great job with the wide receivers. You know what I mean? Uh, in my opinion, I mean, dude, Marcus Tuasasoko's done a great job with the quarterback. You know, he developed, uh, sure. you know, uh, Kessler pretty pretty well. And, uh, you know, Max Brown backing him up and stuff like that. So, I don't, I don't know if they clean house. Uh, it just depends who they bring in. Um, I don't know what you guys think. Maybe they do need a clean house. Because I know if they oh. keep some guys on staff, they're just going to bring in another similar coach to Lane Kiffin and Coach Sarge probably. So maybe they do need a clean house. Really not sure yet. Well, I mean, if you clean house, then what, what are you going for? Who's the new – people are going in a different direction. So what, what's the new direction? What's the direction you're going to go? Where are you headed in the future – away from where you used to be as a program, I guess is the question there. I would try to keep the same offense and then get a defensive head coach in. Um, their defense, I mean, I know their defense only gave up like 17 or anything, but like they just got to get back to getting those linebackers, those big time like linemen and, and those corners and safety, everything, you know, everybody on defense, being the best two deep in the Pac-12 at defense. Because, uh, I mean, it's like the Pac-12 is great from top to bottom, you know, obviously, but I still don't think – defensively, <laughs> you know, that they're that much better than SC, you know what I mean? Um, offensively, sure. not so – yeah, I mean, Oregon, Arizona, those schools, whatever. I mean, Stanford always has a really good defense. I would like them to get, you know, a defensive guy, um, possibly. I don't know who. I don't have a list or anything right now, but I don't think they need some high-flying offense or anything. Yeah, that's, that's, that's sexy. It's L.A., it's Hollywood. But uh, they yeah. win. You know, winning solves everything. It doesn't matter if they win 10 to 6 for 12 weeks straight because they won for 12 weeks straight. You know what I mean? So uh, those, those fans want to see a winner in a stadium. Um, and, like, cross town, you know, they have a winner and they have an identity. Mm-hmm. You know, SC has an identity in a sense, but then they kind of don't. You know what I mean? Um, that's why I was saying Jim was kind of right about what he's saying. I mean, they have an identity for the most part, but in-game identity is different. Like, the play calling. It's just so bad. The identity doesn't matter almost, you know what I mean? So, uh, yes. I, was, I, I mean, like I said, if you can name some great guys uh, that, that have a good background um, in college football and maybe had a taste in the NFL that are good at defense, that would be the guy I would say to look for. And then well, you can just hire you know, you, you can you, hire you know, the name, you, know the, you know the name I keep bringing up, obviously, is Ken Nord Jr. Now, Jim... <laughs> Jim would prefer that I not keep the Raiders are happy to have him, and no. <laughs> yeah, that that's a name that, uh, yeah, I think that name should have been brought up. He wasn't really even on the list, um, you know, the first time. So, yeah, I mean, his name should be brought up. Yeah, I mean, he's doing a good job of that, so I don't know if he leaves, but, I mean, that would be an obvious choice. He could get a good staff together, from Ken Norton Jr. 
I take back what I said. He's a hor- horrible defensive line coach. <laughs> it's not a possibility. <laughs> it's a possibility. It's horrible. Awful. One of the worst. One of the worst <laughs> defensive coaches I think the Riddles have ever had. And that's saying something. <laughs> yeah. If you want to see what the, the whole Southern Cal theme from, like, the mid-2000s, that's probably, like, the last guy you hired, right? Like, the last guy left is what I'm saying to hire. He, right of the of the of the bloodline, he would be one of the last ones left. But I think he'd also be one of the best ones left. I mean, look who he's played for. Let's start with that. He's played yeah. for Jimmy Johnson, yeah. right? Yeah. He's played for George Seifert, right? He, um, he played for back in college. He played for Troy Donahue. I mean, these are three great coaches. I just late <laughs> rolled off there. Then he's look who he's coached under, right? He's coached under great coaches. I mean, he's people have brought up Jack Del Rio also in the past, and I'm not sure why he didn't get more of a look the last time around. I kept hearing it, he was interested. He clearly has the NFL bonafides. He's a USC Whoa. guy. He's good he on was television. interested, but he wanted the NFL job, and he ended up getting one. So, right. I right. think if the Raiders had not of, you know, had him, you know, had sort of an interest, he probably wouldn't. Have, probably would have went to USC. Well, sorry, you don't go. Before, you don't go he's, down. He's on the The thing is, you don't downgrade. That's just not something you do. Um, it's like a, a movie star becoming a TV star. You don't, you don't usually go back. Yeah. So yeah, right. I think he likes right. the NFL unless, unless, unless you're Rob Lowe and you want to spend more time with your family. Yeah. Well, that, that exactly. goes back to, you know, Jed Dorey was still with the Broncos and Starks got hired. So, so I mean, I, I don't know. I think just – I just think they pick Starks over Jack Dorey. Yeah. Or you go with Pete Smith's theory, which is that Sark was like their fifth choice. <laughs> well, whatever yeah, number I mean, of choices he, he, he was. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. That's not really looking into it that much to say that. I mean, I literally know that that wasn't well, I would say choice. Pete Smith was right, <laughs> by the way. So, so, you know, Pete Smith, you're right. You were right, Pete Smith. Well, whatever choice he was, and I don't think it was the fifth. Yeah, he was the choice. <laughs> whatever choice he was, he got the job, okay? That's the first thing that, you know, should be mentioned. That's the guy that has the job. You know, he gets a check every two weeks from the school, and he gets, or it goes to, more like he's directly deposited. And he's the guy that goes to the office every morning, and he has Pop a couple pills with his has a party spot with this name on. Passes out, so, wakes so, up five hours later, then starts <laughs> Well, for the moment, at least, he's the guy. And as has been pointed out, if he wants to remain the guy, some things are going to have to change. Clearly, some things are going to have to change. Uh, this is a, you know, once again, the term we use in the flagship program, right? One of the flagship programs one of the destination schools. It's one of the places where you, you know, the only place left to go if you've been successful at a place like USC is the NFL. You know, you can't make a 
upward move and still stay in college. It's one of those handful of programs where that's definitively the truth. It's up there. Whether it deserves to be up there is a, maybe a better question. But at least for the moment, in terms of the way it's regarded as, as a college job, it's up there with the Alabamas and Florida's and who else? Uh, I guess Oregon now has become one of those kind of jobs, maybe. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame and Notre Dame yeah, has I always mean, been that job, I guess. For that was true seventy years ago, in the eighty years ago, in the case of Notre Dame. Uh, the only place to go and go up. Actually, an NFL job would have been going down 80 or 70 years ago from Notre Dame. Um, that would have been a downward move for those days. But you're right. It's one of those handful of programs where still uh, people always, if they're coaching in college, they have it in the back of their mind, what would it be like to coach there? With the exception of guys who are at, you know, Texas or Oklahoma or Alabama. Petrino, I mean, Petrino would like to coach USC for other reasons, but <laughs> he would love that. Well, here's the crazy thing: if it weren't for the fact that he's seen as a little down market, I think he'd actually do a pretty good job there. Yeah, did Mitch Lamar Jackson be like, bye bye? USC, here I come. Yeah. But, of course, you know, he but he interviewed pretty well. I mean, but I don't know what Bobby – I don't know what Patrino wants to do. So, kind of no clue. He's doing his thing. Well, here's what we know about him. He's good with quarterbacks. He knows how to call yep. a game. Yeah, likes money. At least I think he likes. loves. He loves money. USC has money, Donovan. Lots of money. money. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they have lots of money. The endowment is like one point one billion dollars. Yep. So, uh, it's top five. Uh, I mean, it's a private school. They can do what they want. Pretty they can do much, anything. So. <laughs> they can do yeah, anything I mean, they want. Yeah, I mean. So, uh, so what if they do this? What if at the end of the season, they fired Sark at some point after another loss to who knows who, uh, who, who Colorado maybe, right? Um, oh, so, wow. They lose oh. another game, uh, and they're like, no, this can't happen. And they fire Stark, and they have an intern coach. I don't know who it is. Maybe the defensive coordinator, somebody else, the ball boy, the tight end coach. Two Asasopo, maybe. Yeah, two Asasopo, right. Um, and then they go to Petrino, and they basically have a meeting with him or informal meeting, and they go, we want you to coach for the USC. And You're talking about Bobby Petrino being the head coach right now? <laughs> yeah. He's not going to get hired, man. There's no way. Max Negas is a, a, a marketing guy that likes his clean cut. You know, not he's not. Petrino's he clean it. cut. He's not going to. I know what you're hypothetically talking, but it's just, <laughs> like, not going to happen. <laughs> it's not. That's, Again, like, the one guy who won't hire him ever. Ever. You I have think. to make 
decisions at times in life, your standards have to be slightly bent to get what you want. Can we, we now, can get somebody else better than Petrino, I feel like, you know? Listen, you need a good play caller. He's a good play caller. You need a guy that's going to develop quarterbacks. He can develop quarterbacks. You need a good wide True. receiver guy. He's a really good wide receiver guy. He's developing wide receivers to the next level in the NFL. Shoot, he has a long resume of quarterbacks and wide receivers in the NFL that have done stuff. He sure does. He has a good and pipeline of his own. Like three different places. He has a good and tree, four. too. He has a good tree. Exactly. And four, other than that thing that happened a long time ago that I forgot, <laughs> he's a pretty morally outstanding individual. <laughs> so that one thing I forgot. That like one it. thing. That other thing or that other thing? People no, the other, the other thing. People have no. forgotten all about that, Donovan. Just don't <laughs> think about that. Just okay. think about what you can get now. Hey, he's from Montana, too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. Weber State guy. Well, Carol, Carol first and then Weber State. So, yeah, kind of a mountain oh, yeah. guy. But no, exactly. I don't <laughs> <laughs> um, What other choice well, do you have? Name another um, bland coach to add to the list of other bland coaches they've hired there that weren't good fits. I mean, no, it doesn't necessarily have to be a bland coach. I mean, as I said, I mean, they don't have to necessarily go with a, uh, that type of guy. Um, they can go with uh, somebody different. I mean, there's a lot of – Mike Gundy is a name that's always uh-huh. being thrown out uh-huh. there for – Bigger coaching yeah. jobs, just because Oklahoma State has a lot of money too. I mean, they're, I mean, you know, they got the, you know, yeah, you know, money. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's eventually people think he's going to leave Oklahoma State, even though it's alma mater. I know he wants to at least go to like a national championship or play in the national championship. But hey, I mean, not going to happen. Might get, might get stale there. You know, he might have to come over to. Uh, and that's a different type of offense. You know, that's a different guy. He's always been Oklahoma yeah, State. Yeah, but he doesn't have the sort of. Thing. Here's the he thing dances. with Petrino, though. He dances in the okay. locker room here, here's, the thing, here's the thing with Petrino, though, Don. As much as you're like, oh, my gosh, no. Listen, <laughs> it's a win-win situation because, A, this is not the win-win situation. If he fixes the offense and the play calling and the quarterbacks and the wide receivers, all that stuff, it turns you into a winning organization. We win. Woohoo! If there's some sort of sex scandal that involves multiple <laughs> blonde women from the USC, you know, whatever. That's that's bad, but it's like, hey, you know, was it as bad as losing to Stanford? Was it as bad as losing to Washington at home? No. So think about the fe- how how bad you would feel. You felt really bad after that loss to Washington. I, I, I will give you that. It was a very bad loss. You felt really bad after that game. But I, I doubt it would feel as bad if you found out that Petrino had a sex scandal involving multiple blonde women at USC. I don't think you would, would feel as bad about that. I would feel bad when they hired him day one. I would think that that would happen. I would expect that from him. <laughs> I would expect him to either leave in the first three years so we have to replace him over again for <laughs> the NFL or, you know, some kind of crazy TMZ story. Cause Harvey but it was what you were going to do in the that first place, everybody. though, Donovan. But it was what you're, you either hire a guy that's going to be fired in a couple of years anyways, or you hire Bobby Petrino who can at least turn this team into something good. 
I mean, I, I, I don't buy, I'm sorry, man. Not with that one. I don't think anybody um, I know around that season with that either. But I, I try, I, you know, I listened, you know, it was kind of controlling. You did, you did listen. I mean, there's just other guys. I know. Dan, Dan his Malone's name was never there. brought up. All I'm trying to say is his yeah. name was never brought up. That doesn't mean that they're not, they just haven't thought about him yet. That's all I'm trying to say. You think so? You're, you, are, you, are, you on the, are you on the emails, man, with, with Hayden? I, talking to I might drive down <laughs> to, I might drive to the USC campus, you know, some point this week with a sign saying, fire Stark, hire Petrina, whatever. I will, yeah. I, might yeah, I mean, hey, well, if Petrino can get over 500 this year, because right now he's not, so we need him to do that first. But Let's go to Lamar Jackson. Think what he could do if Cody kept I mean, Lamar Jackson's Teddy Bridgewater, right? So, I mean, no, he's not. We, we already <laughs> had this discussion. We did. <laughs> he's, not, he's, not, he's, not, he's not Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, he is an African-American quarterback. That is true. But this does not make you Teddy Bridgewater. African-American quarterback from Miami, the same places. That's like me going, you know what? That Teddy Bridgewater man, reminds me of Cam Newton. Yeah, why? <laughs> uh, well, they're both black. Yeah. You know? But no, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about Bill. I think Bridgewater reminds me of Michael Vick. Six foot two, quarterback. Yeah, I mean, there, there's you know, there, there, like I said, there's there's some names that I know. Mean, I've definitely looked at names. There's some names that were I looked at obviously when Kiffin got fired, and there's some of the same names um, that are on there. Obviously, we we're gonna we're gonna recall someone again. That was the that was the first guy we wanted. Um, so I mean, we'll until you know we'll try to offer more money maybe, but True, and and it's rolling right now, man. Like they don't exactly like so. Why I would mean, he leave? Yeah, so I, well, we've seen Stranger Things happen, but we we'll have to try. He's got Christian he Kirk. Try. He has the best. He has one of the best wide receiver. He has the best wide receiver core in college football, bar none, depth wise. He has quarterback. Great quarterback. He has <laughs> defense. Two, he has defense two quarterbacks. <laughs> exactly. He has two quarterbacks. Why do you do another rebuilding project? He's about. We're to gonna. Go. We got. We got to call him, man. You still have to call just because he has all that doesn't mean we ha- we got a call. You got to make the phone call, man. You have to make the call. I just told you they had Ask him how he's feeling. You see yeah. what, how he's feeling. What's going on? Urban, everything all right? How's the kids? Yeah, you got to make the phone. You got to make the phone call, man. He could turn you down. You. It's like you know the hot girl from high school. You got to at least ask her out. You got a fear of rejection, you know. That's how I was brought up, anyway. But <laughs> you got you got to do it, man. You still got to go for it. You got to call someone. You got to call. Uh, you don't call Gundy first, but you can call Mike Gundy. You call Dan Mullen. You know, realistic coaches. You know, you got to call some NFL guys, of course. Dan too. Mullen, really? I think you would have. Yeah, to call I, guess. I guess. Here's the thing: what if you call? What if you call Dan Mullen and Dan Mullen calls Mike Gundy, and then Mike Gundy's like, "Well, you called Dan Mullen first. So <laughs> that might happen, maybe. Yeah, I think you would call. It. I'm trying to go outside the box. I mean, Dan Mullen is a different type of offense. A guy from Pennsylvania, so I mean, you know, right, he's coaching yeah. the SEC right now. He, I mean, it's 50 and 33. I know the record's not amazing, but I mean, for what I mean, he's done a pretty solid job. He's done a, he's done a good job. He's I mean, Utah, job. he was good. Florida, he was good. And Mississippi State, he's been the best coach at Mississippi State, I mean, in a long time. They've had no long time. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. Well, you got to go back to Emory Ballard. 
even yeah. when they find a guy that's, that's that good. Okay, how about, how about the ESPN suggestion? Okay, so like if I was on ESPN and I was like on a panel of people and I'm like, I got to say something because this is ESPN. We say outlandish things. John Gruden. Sure, why not? I mean, you can here's call the, him here's the good news. To. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. All the kids know the name. It's like, oh, wow, I get to be coached by John Gruden. And they'll be super excited. That's like television. Right. It'll be awesome until they actually get on campus and actually get coached by John Gruden, and it destroys them. Yeah, that's Unless he's really mellow. I mean, he gets paid. He's the highest paid person on ESPN. I don't think he would. Yep. His job's too easy. He, 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 does, he works like two days a week, and he's the highest paid sports personality on, on ESPN. So I, don't, just, I just don't. I thought those rumors were over. But this you is know? where you do that I mean, pitch. <laughs> well, look, Donovan. If you're gonna call, if you're gonna call Urban Meyer, you're, you're gonna then you're gonna call everybody. So yeah, give him a call. Why not? Just check him out. See how he's doing. Hey, how's the television thing working, John? Do you like it? You know that kind of thing. Oh, you do. You make how much? Really? You know that kind of thing. And then you know, hey, if he sounds miserable, which he probably won't, you know, even say, you know, if you miss coaching, you know, we might have an opening in the next few hours. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, feeling you know, out. I, yeah, you might as well give him a call. Why not? Sure, why not? Just can't waste all your money on certain people. You know, it's like recruiting. Well, hold on, says, man. no. He just said oh. call Kevin Sumlin just because. So. Yeah, but call Kevin Sumlin is just a because. Don Gruden hasn't coached in so what, 2005, seven, something like that. So, I mean, it's just. That's a little extreme. You want a West Coast coach? West, West Coast. He's, he's got as good a West Coast offensive mind as has existed in the past several years. You want a guy that's good. You want a guy that's good with the media. There you go. And you want a good sort of Southern Cal kind of you know like thing who brings a little bit of an attitude. There he's, you go. He's got. He'll give you an. He'll give you an identity. He will. And you make and you, you make the one year pitch. You basically go up to me and you go, We're gonna pay you eight million dollars to do whatever you want to do for one year. If after that one year you don't like it, you can walk and take your parachute, golden parachute or whatever money, you know, that you because we'll we'll fire you. We won't even you won't even quit. We'll fire you if you want to quit. Yeah. Okay. Well I mean, one year. One year. <laughs> Give us one year, Gruden, and you can go back to ESPN. So ESPN is always going to be there. They're not going to give up on there. you. They're always going to be there. USC, it ain't always going to be there. One year, Gruden. One year. Well, uh, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. You're <laughs> far-fetched on these, but I'll take well, our course they're far-fetched. Okay, well, let's, well since, I like well, that one over Bobby Petrino, though. I will say that. Yeah, yeah I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're, if, we're being, if we're being far-fetched, why not our Bryles? Why not? I mean, if we're just going with any, for anybody, you know. Yeah, uh, also, yeah that's a name I do. I do uh, our Bryles, I, I, would call, <laughs> I, I would call, I would you know, realistically, no, I like our Bryles. I like our bro. There's no wrong. He's I never mean, leaving Texas. He's never leaving Texas. That's never. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's 
I didn't say he was leaving, but we're not saying guys who are going to come. We're saying the calls you make. I thought we were just making a list. He's of not even really a West Coast guy, though. He, he has no, he's not. No, no, we, don't, we don't have to. We don't. We got to get out of the the half to call the list. We got to broaden the list. Exactly, Donald. That's why. That's the point. I was. I was kind of trying to make. I said that from the beginning. Yeah, you got. I said. Yeah, you're, you're, open it because up. you have I mean, this idea in your head of what the coach has to be, it's almost like metric scouting, almost to a certain extent, where you're like, he has to be this tall, he has to be this color, he has to be this type of coordinator, he has to have coached at such and such place for so many years, he had to have won so many games. I think they're over that at this height of the word because that already – I mean that that would be the second time that Max Negus hired somebody. Because um, at the end of the day, you know he's the one signing checks. Um, it'd be the Hayden on the hot seat after the fire, and uh, so I don't think they would necessarily. I think that would, they would put that in there, of course, you know. But there's Pat Fitzgerald is really good friends with uh, with yes. Hayden, so that would be now, you're cool. on, now you're on. Now you're on to something. Well, yeah. Now you're on to something. That that would be. A call that you have to to make, and that's not too far fetched. I mean, yeah, he's probably gonna leave, but I think that they could work. Oh, out. as much as he loves Northwestern, yeah, he loves. He wants program, to, but 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 he but knows he's not gonna win a national championship at Northwestern. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, he's not an idiot. He's a bright dude. He's young. If you exactly. him, he's and young, he's young, a young guy. If, young if guy. you showed him USC, yeah. you showed him your facilities. If you opened up that vault full of bouillon and showed it to him and said, hey, go in there, roll around in all that money for a while, then we'll talk. You, you don't think you yeah, well, want to at least listen? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, close, they're close guys. Um, when, when he was at Idaho, I believe, um, he, before he took that Northwestern job, what was he, the linebacker coach, Bill, um, before, um, after he left Idaho, when he first he was, started? Uh, he was on the coach, and he, when he started, he got promoted to D coordinator. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, before that, they, they were – because that was the USC changing staff as well. He was, he was actually going to be on the R.P. Carroll staff before yep. that. But, uh, he Which would have been a great home. situation. Yeah, yep. it would have been great. But he chose to go back home. I think he was getting married at the time. You know, he wanted to go back yep. home and everything. So, Correct. things didn't work out. But, hey, he's a guy that is definitely not an SC guy at all. But, I mean, he's a guy that – Oh, but he, could, but he could become uh, one pretty yeah, he He's good he with linebackers. All he has to Great do with is, linebackers. All, all Pat Fitzgerald would have to do, man, is uh, keep a guy like T. Martin on the staff that knows the area really well, and he does a good job of recruiting, um, and get his, his the guys he wants in there as far as the staff. Um, I think he needs to keep a couple of Southern Cal guys there just for recruiting purposes, but like Tui Asifo and uh, – T. Martin, but other than that, you can hire whoever the hell he wants and have kind of, and we they would be hire they would be happy with that hire. Um, the the like true diehard SC fans, the other ones not so much because he's just the coach at Northwestern and it's Williams City is the high. But we, you know, I trust Pat Fitzgerald. I would trust him to to get us uh, to the promised land. Uh, well, he's well, really good here's coach. here's two things two things that would happen. One is even if you did have some a couple of quote unquote down years in terms of recruiting classes. This guy has been getting one, two and the occasional three star. And I guess they got I think they've got two four stars in the entire time he's been there, one of which was a transfer from USA. But uh <laughs> Kyle Frater, yeah. Exactly. But 
but the point is that he's used to finding a way to scratch out seven and eight wins with, I mean, what's their average recruiting class in terms of stars? 1.75 uh, or something, Donovan? Yeah, it's, it's like two at best. Right. Two. So Justin Jackson a was a pretty high recruit there. But. Exactly. A quote-unquote down year at USC would give him what would seem to him a bonanza of talent, the likes of which he could never have imagined. He's used to developing. He's used to getting guys who need to be brought along and bringing them along. The and other thing is, yes, linebacker. And the defense, which despite all the talent, has not always looked good, would look good. He's going to find a way to put people in the right places to help you to not give up some easy, I mean, easy. If that's what bothers you. It's not just, hey, everyone gets to not lose Stanford. Happens, and he beat Stanford. He yeah, beat Stanford. Less, yeah, I mean, said, obviously we played bad with less Stanford, ammunition. Um, so, well, way, way yeah. less. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, that's a guy that I would uh, look at if the you know he had a price is right and everything, and if he's right with his family. I'm sure he's got a younger kid since he's only a 39, 40 year old guy. But you know, that would be the right move. Uh, we could set him up in a house in Manhattan Beach. Maybe probably he's, I believe house. I believe he's a little older than you think. I think he's now 44. Or as a oh, is he? Okay. Birthday. I believe okay. so. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, he's still relatively you know, he's not, really young. It's, 40. It's, a, 40. it's a bonus, but they do want a guy that kind of kind of be a lifer a little bit, at least stay there for a while. I feel like Pat Fitzgerald would be that guy. Like, he's kind of shown loyalty already with one program, so I feel like he would uh, be a guy that things went right, stay there, and uh, – well, he's clearly not a job hopper. That's the thing I think scares you about Petrino, if, I, if I'm reading you correctly. There. Or Todd <laughs> Graham. Because, I mean, I've heard or Todd, Todd Graham, Graham, too. And I don't want Todd Graham. Todd Graham. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know Todd Graham is just... Every year, Todd Graham is supposed to be somebody else's coach. You know what I mean? Yeah, so <laughs> next, job, next job, Todd. He can't right. even get guys from his own state, man. I don't know if I want him as, uh, <laughs> you know, go, trying to fight Jim Mora. You know, and these guys in L.A. and, and, and Coach Elfridge up there, he can't even get his guys in the state. So I don't really want Todd Graham. I mean, Todd Graham's a fine coach. But uh, yes. just not, you know, don't, for you. don't trust him. Not, <laughs> that's not, not for you. Yeah. No, it's not for you. He would leave, though, and go to another Pac-12 program in the same mm. division. He would be the guy to do it. He would, yes, without hesitation, he would. If you threw open well, that same vault full of bullion, he would be like, "Well, I'm sold." I think that I think that's actually the right move. Uh, honestly, I think we've come to that. Pat Fitzgerald. Todd Graham. No, Pat no, Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald. Oh, that would Pat actually be a great move. I'll, I'll say it. You know, buy. This is buy or sell Saturday. I would buy. I'm a buy on Pat Fitzgerald. I've got You'd buy that to one? meet the man. I've had a chance to meet the man, see him up close and personal. He's a great. He's great in the. He's great in the room. You know, they say you know, like he's he's got a presence about him, a great personality. He relates well to kids. He believes in academics. If that's something that still matters, um, he, he he knows how to actually coach people. He was you know a player himself less than twenty or right around twenty years ago. I mean, it's a little ways ago, but it's not a million years ago. But the point is that he can relate to these kids. He relates to kids well, speaks their language, whatever term you want to use. 
uh, works his butt off. He's a really hard worker, uh, despite the fact he has a fairly young family. Um, he, you know, he spends as much time as family as, as he can, but he's in the office. He's not, you know, he's not keeping banker's hours by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you know, I mean, the only downside I can think of is that name recognition may not be quite there where, where as you said, where it might be for sort of the, you know, casual, whatever term you use, those who, who don't really follow college football as a whole. But yeah. people who know college football know he's a terrific coach on the rock. I just call him the lifers, man. Like us, we 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 religiously watch this stuff and we talk about it for hours. We know those guys that watch college football and talk to them—they're actual fans. They just—they're not—they don't—they don't know who the—they know who Patrick Jones is. He's just the Northwestern coach that goes like seven and five to them, though. Like, that's not, that doesn't mean much to them, but we know what it means. That's hard to do at Northwestern. They just think he's that above-average coach because that's what his winning record shows. They don't see that he's actually a really think, good coach. But I think you could <laughs> actually sell it to him this year because he beat Stanford. And you didn't beat Stanford. The, the, you would figure that would work, but, I mean, that's just not that's not really how it really works, man. Um, <laughs> but they want Cliff Kingsbury's coach. They want Cliff Kingsbury's coach. Like, I keep well, hearing that name. Well, uh, Kingsbury has to actually But you know why they defense. want Cliff Kingsbury's coach, though. I, mean, I know, but uh, – yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, mm. you know, it's Cliff Kingsbury. It's Coach Handsome. But yeah, Coach Handsome, he's, Coach Handsome he's would have finished his 500. So, you know. Exactly. I was about to say. <laughs> like, you know. Like, he calls a really – offensively speaking, he's a great offensive coordinator. You know, he puts points on the board. But mm-hmm. when it comes Definitely. to the defense that he's had, it's video game <sighs> style. Yeah. Points being given up. Right. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I wouldn't mind Cliff. If, if Cliff has a, a solid year with Texas Tech um, and showed me a little bit more, like, I wouldn't mind Cliff. Because Cliff, I feel like, you know, they would put the right people around him, um, possibly, to help him succeed. I mean, and he doesn't need help recruiting because he does a really good job of that already. But, of course, he would help you to get into Texas and things like that. Those things I like. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we need more Ronald Joneses in the world. <laughs> right. Uh, those those things are cool. And, and he's the I one that found Baker Mayfield. And if it wasn't for him finding Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma wouldn't be where they are right now. So, yeah. ah. Well, yeah. And he stole Patrick Mahomes from Oklahoma, ironically. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why they needed Baker Mayfield in the first place. But the um, – I just think that Kingsbury has, has – exciting and sexy and, you know, uh, Brian Gosling-esque and all as he is, he's not fixing the problems that you're having now. That's the the problems you're having are not the kind of problems that he fixes. That's the only thing I'd say about that. Yeah, I Gerald fixes those problems. Exactly, yeah, he does. It'd be better if you had, like, a Pat Fitzgerald, which would never happen, but a Pat Fitzgerald head coach with Cliff Kingsbury's office coordinator. Ooh, well, that would be – now, that would be give you everything. You'd have everything then. That would be – you'd have That's the sexiness. You'd have the – Cut by Texas Tech. You know. Right, right. And that would never really work because Pat Fitzgerald would be like, stop throwing the ball so many times. <laughs> that <laughs> that would be the only another problem. Coach, uh, another coach that is similar to Pat Fitzgerald in, in all people's eyes is uh, – and I don't think they're going to get him, but I'll say Bronco Mendenhall from BYU. Um, that's a name that's been thrown out a little bit. Uh, he's a 
West Coast guy for sure. Um, he just loves yeah. BYU, man. He loves his faith, right. uh, his, his, right. Mormon, his Mormon faith, and right. he loves being right. there. That was his dream job. Right. So, yeah. right. Uh, the only thing I would say about Mendenhall, besides the fact that I think you might not be a big city guy in the sense of – I don't know if you love being in L.A., basically. I think he likes – I think, well, I mean, a lot of the – likes where he is, but also he's essentially unfireable. I mean, he would have to I don't know what it would take, but, it was, but I can't imagine him. There's I'm not saying there's no pressure, but it's a for his big program as it is, it's one of the few programs that big where the pressure is manageable. He's not eating holes in his stomach like Urban Meyer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, at one point he, they he were probably, even talking about him fairly well. Yeah, I think they were talking about him at one point being. And this is probably the only program I know. Like this is some high school stuff, but they were talking about him possibly being the AD at one point <laughs> and the um, football coach. Um, but you know, obviously he was like, I mean, that wasn't that realistic, but it was uh, talked about in Provo. A lot of people were like, "Man, just make him the athletic director." And he's he's brunk. I mean, that guy is yeah, like he's got it going on <laughs> BYU. Mm-hmm. Like he can really can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's. His record's great. You know what I mean? He's taking them to higher places that they haven't been um, as far as just national record. They're about to get a TV contract that's national uh, in 2017. They had a share of a national championship in 1984. They did. I mean, media stuff-wise. Yeah, I mean, that's all I'm talking (laughs) about. Yeah. (laughs) He's really good on social media, and they're about to get a TV contract in two years. Um, So stuff like that. I mean, so... Um, they're gonna play like a lot of Thursday night games because of the TV contract. So they're gonna be like prime time, like every week. So he's done a good job. I, I wouldn't leave if I was him, but <laughs> you know I would definitely call him and say, Bronco, you know we could put you out, you know, in the smallest city in California. You don't have to be in LA. We <laughs> 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 put you up in Westlake Village, maybe. If you want to go up there, think about it. Think call about it, it. right. But oh. <laughs> I don't know if you even want to deal with those type of kids, man. You're gonna deal with some knuckleheads being at SC, you know. So at BYU, you don't really, you know, have to deal with too many knuckleheads. Those guys are pretty, pretty good guys. So. Right. I mean, plus it's a code of honor. I mean, it's a, it's a very different kind of rec- recruit that you deal with for the most part at BYU. It is. Yeah, I mean, he, we we recruit some of the same guys as him. Um, we, I mean, we obviously yeah. we we kill we kill in Utah, but they hate USC <laughs> because we we always steal the best player from Utah, even if he's going on a mission. Like we usually somehow get him. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, it'd be difficult. To, I mean, he's he's a good coach. I mean, that's the guy. I would call. But like yeah, like you said though, I don't, I don't know. Like Kyle Whittingham, same difference. You know, uh, a little bit different because he's in the conference, but. He's he's pretty much the same as Bronco Mendenhall to me, <laughs> you know, as far as just a guy. They're both Mormon guys that are really – they don't play any BS. No, um, they do not. Whittingham just has more, like, room to play around since he's not at, you know, that school with a code of conduct. But both uh, really good coaches. Great I think Bronco's coaches. almost – he's closing in on 100 wins soon. Yep. I mean, he's – like I said, I don't I – don't, I think you have a slightly better shot, maybe at prying winning him away, but it wouldn't be easy in either no. case. Yeah, there's, but, there's 
But you got to make a call. You do. You got to pick up the phone and call them. Got to call. I've heard Kurt Ferentz. I, I don't really know about that. Ferentz? Yeah, I don't, I don't want mm. to. There's a whole uh, list of reasons why, first of all, he hasn't exactly been lighting it up recently at Iowa. And is he a crackerjack recruiter and I just didn't hear about it? Yeah, that's my thing, man. It's not like – and then his buyout is too much for Ferentz. I mean, buy out Cumberland's cool. Buy him out. But, like, Ferentz, uh, you know, you're buying out Ferentz for <laughs> – there, I would pay him a lot of money. We talked about the last show. He's the highest person in the state. You know, he gets paid $4.6 million a year. That's a lot of money for Iowa football. I mean, I don't know. That's their deal. But, I mean, I, buying him out might be too much for my taste. That's a, that's a lot to, for, to pay for 7.5 wins a year. I'll put it that way. I mean, you can get Sark to win you 7.5. Why are you firing someone to get a guy that's going to win you seven and a half games a year? Yeah, I don't know. Some of the names are just ridiculous. I mean, Ferris was in it. I kept hearing because of the NFL stuff. And I guess he's close to tying too somehow. He has some connections. But I don't know. I mean, Kurt Ferris isn't even really on my radar. Um, I mean, yeah, he does a really job of O-lineman. But <laughs> does a great job of O-lineman. <laughs> uh, what quarterback has he had? You know, we talk about quarterbacks not playing good. I mean, well, he's our guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, hold, on he's hold on a minute here, Donovan. He, that, you know, Jim Harbaugh stole his quarterback, Jake Reddick. So, <laughs> so he didn't, he didn't and, want him, and though. He didn't want to start fixed, Jake Reddick. And fixed him. And also, you know, I mean, he's a he's playing yeah. better now, but, but Bethard beat him out while he was at Iowa. I mean, that's, well, Reddick was, I mean, the weird thing about Reddick was he was good in high school, then he sucked out Iowa, and I kind of good again. Like he went, he went to St. Thomas Aquinas, so he had a lot mm-hmm. of talent around him. I never thought he was that good as they made him out to be, but he played with literally like 15 other D1 scholarship players. So uh, I know he's like a four-star recruit, but I thought he was like a two-star in my opinion. But, uh, you know, I think it was like a lot of height with Jake Rudolph. Um, and I don't think that height should have even been there. It's just the high school he went to. So, uh, I don't know, but yeah, Kurt Ferentz, no, nah, I, I just don't uh, buy that one too much. And there's I don't a few think others. he moves. I don't think he moves the needle. I don't think he's a terrific recruiter. He doesn't know the lay of the land. Not that you have to be a guy who's familiar with the area, but I mean, it seems like if you want to go Midwestern, there's one thing we just talked about that the show is younger, more dynamic, a person who younger who players are more likely to relate. To. I mean. If you wanted to go with a guy from the Midwest, there's seem to be better options, I guess. What I'm saying. Yeah. You go with Justin Fuente. I know he coaches in the South right now, but he's a Midwest guy. Like, I would rather have right. him than right. Kurt Ferentz, even though he's, you know, a lot younger, less experienced, but he looks like. Very young, but. Yeah. He's a, yeah, and it's like, those are just. Like, I, don't, I don't know if SC would want to touch an assistant college coach. Like, I feel like they would hire the head coach. In college yeah. or assistant football NFL head coach, but not uh, right, right, right. Because right. the names that are hot assistants are great. Like I think I like a lot of them, but I just don't think that's what SE can do. But that's not what well, they should do. It's not what they have done. Let's put it that way. They haven't hired a guy who didn't have head coaching experience since. I mean, we have to go back probably to the fifties. Because McKay had head coaching experience, he came there in the early '60s. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to go back about probably close to 60 years. 
to find a guy who hadn't been a head coach head coach somewhere before. Yeah, I, I don't. If he's a college or pro level. The, yeah, I, I don't want a guy that's not too inexperienced. Like like Stab is throwing out a lot. Too young. Not. That might blow up. You know, we don't. I don't think Jake Savadal is like developed as like a adult yet. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that. Like, you know, he's 29 years old. He's so. very young. I mean, to put it in perspective, uh, Brandon Whedon is what 31 and a half. He recruited Brandon Whedon. Isn't that hilarious? That must have been an interesting yeah. conversation. <laughs> you know, yeah. can I buy you a beer, son? <laughs> Honestly, man, Jake was the guy. I don't want to get on another topic, but the guy that was really holding Tony Manziel down was Jake Savadol. Like, that's why he gets so much credit, because if it wasn't for Jake, I mean, I don't think someone that Manziel could have lasted another year together. Like, Savadol did a lot, because he relates to him, because he was 27 when he was there, you know what I mean? So, just so young. Wow. I mean, but yeah, I mean, Sav is, I, I love Sav, man. Sav's a, because I love recruiters. I, I know recruiting. I know how yep. good recruiters, I know how hard he works. And hey, he came from um, Tulsa with, with Coach Malzahn yep. and, you know, um, Coach Gundy, Coach Holgerson, he's coached under Sumlin, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, he coached, you know, Smith, you know, yep. when he broke the, all the NCAA records, so I mean, and Brandon Whedon, too. So he, I, I like what he can do. I just think he's just too, uh, too young. Well, you know what? Yeah, I mean, they might hire him as an offensive coordinator, but I, I, he wouldn't be the head coach yet. You know, he's Seven years of being serious, he could turn you head coach at a place like USC. Yeah, and Tony Sanchez is just too inexperienced as well. The UNLV coach um, that was at Bishop Gorman. I know he's he's actually done a pretty good job at UNLV. Like they're three and two. That's good for UNLV. <laughs> they beat Nevada. You know they 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 got mm-hmm. destroyed by Michigan. But I mean he's just you know he just left high school. So you know we can't be pulling a Jerry Foss type of deal. <laughs> Right. I mean, there are some high school coaches who – it's just that USC wouldn't be the place for them to get their no, you know, that's why they get their you know, start. They don't know B or, you know, Southern right. Miss or Arkansas State, you know what I mean? Middle so, Middle Middle high State, school coaches have – Yeah, high right. school coaches yeah. – so people diss the high school – I mean, the high school coaches that have came the last few years have been good, actually. But they mostly came as a coordinator first and yeah. then became like, a head coach. Like Malzahn and Gus you freeze. Yeah, yeah Arkansas yeah, I mean, State yeah. is another great place to. Throw. Yeah, Blake Anderson. Start. Yeah, Blake Anderson was a high you school freeze. coach. You <laughs> freeze. Um, uh, Todd Graham. Todd Graham was a high school coach. Uh, Art Browles, high right. school, jump made the jump right. uh, to OC or whatever. So yeah, and Tony Sanchez, like I said, he, he did. He's one of the few coaches that made the jump from high school coach to head coach, but his situation was so perfect. You know, right. um, Gorman out at some points were getting more attendance than UNLV for yep. the football game. <laughs> so, I mean, yep. you know, That's it was true. only right for him to make the jump, <laughs> you know, um, up because UNLV was like, man, we'll pay you whatever, man. Just do something for UNLV. <laughs> you know, it's Vegas. Why can't we get recruits? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It just depends on if, what year it is, man. Maybe if Tony Sanchez is two or three years on the road, then maybe. But for right now, not not so much. Uh, I would just Fuente and uh, Fitzgerald will be the two outside the Fox guys um, that I would think of 
right. personally. Uh, and Gundy, too, I guess. I, I don't know how you guys feel about Gundy. But, uh, well, I mean, it's not a terrible choice. I just, I wonder how it would relate to – if you relate to kids, you can relate to kids. But the recruits – I mean, there is some crossover, I guess, between Oklahoma State recruits and UCLA – I mean, sorry, USC recruits. But in general, he's dealing with, obviously, Oklahoma kids, Texas kids, Missouri kids and yeah. probably a sprinkling of kids from places like Arkansas and I don't know. I mean, I guess they go yeah. after the Cape of Florida and L and yeah, they do. California I think kids. what forty-five of their players are from Texas, and then like the other ones are from. I mean, they have a. It's mostly all Texas, Oklahoma. So Texas, Oklahoma is the vast majority of the kids they get, and only Texas, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I I hear you. I hear you on that. So, you know, what you're hoping is that, he, you know, if you did bring a guy like that, it's that he would continue to help you to get some kids out of Texas. But at some point, he's got to go into Compton. You know what I mean? You know, and get kids. He's got to go hey, into some, Long Beach. That's something, and get that's something that, yeah, Lane Kiffin didn't do that stuff. So, he he had other people do it, but he didn't do it. So I mean, <laughs> that was the difference between him and Pete. But uh, no, yeah, right. you do gotta go into Long Beach. You gotta like I, I used the example last year when you were when I was talking about T Martin. You gotta. This is a guy that flew on a helicopter um, to see Biggie Marshall at Long Beach Poly to to Bellflower, um, or no, up to, to yeah Manhattan Beach to talk to some guys from Bellflower um, at St. John Bosco. Not many, not too many people doing that. Those are two different types of places. Um, so it's tough. You know, a coach I would call that, I know that's not – you guys probably have a full day with me for this one, but a guy I would call, man, that's not going to come. He's southern as hell, but I would call him a Dabo Sweeney. <laughs> I would try to get his whole staff, <laughs> Jeff Scott. I would try to get Jeff Scott, Dabo Sweeney, and all of Because, I mean, Dabo, there's something I love about Dabo, man. I don't know what it is. He's one of my favorite coaches. I mean, he's just a, he's just like just – He's a he's great a big old guy, goofball, man. Yeah, yeah, he's a big old yeah, goofball. I mean, I, but kids yeah, love him. That's what you like about him. Kids love him. Kids love him. They do. They do love him. And there was, there was a crew I talked to last year that wasn't even going to Clemson. Uh, he turned them down. He took another school. He's just so he's like, man, I love Dabo Sweeney. Like, I wish I could mm-hmm. play for him. It's just not the best fit for me. But I want to play for him. <laughs> right. I like him. Because he's just like, he went in my home. You know, and help my no. mom cook in the kitchen. I was like, "Yep, really? <laughs> yep." <You know? laughs> Abel Sweeney is one of those guys that, like I said, kids love him. He 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 doesn't talk down to kids. He talks straight to them. He treats them, you know, like family or like equals or whatever you you how you want to put it. He he feels. He makes them feel at home at Clemson. He makes them feel. He makes himself at home in their homes. He talks to their mamas, their grandmamas, their whatever family member, and says, "You know, I'm going to take care of your boy, and I'm going to bring. You know, when he comes back in two years, three, whatever he is, he's going to be a man. You know, he's going to be a better football player. He'll be better this, better that, better Christian. He dabbles very strong in his faith, as you probably very. heard recently as well, which 
grandmamas love that because Jesus is going to come up at some point in the rooting process. <laughs> yeah, he is. Oh, yeah. Now, so, so yeah, I mean, he's, that's a guy who, I mean, if I'm a coach who's floundering the SEC, I'm scared of Dabo committee. I don't know if Southern Cal is where it's, I It's not, win. yeah. Now, if I'm Charlie Strong, I might be a little more worried about Dabo. Or I, I've know, heard that yeah. the only job Dabo would take is the Alabama job, but it's the only job he would lose yeah, him to like the Alabama. So, I, I, yeah. I, I believe that's where he would like to go if he ever gets the chance. But, you know, he's got to they would kill. They would, they would kill him, man. I would just stay at Clemson. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, SC, I know he's not going to go to SC. I, I doubt it. Like, I highly – but personally, it would be, if you're just it would be hilarious, me, though. <laughs> it would be it hilarious would be. if he landed there because it's so different. I mean, talk about a culture shock. Yeah, he's been, that, he's been either in Alabama or South Carolina his whole life, you know? Yep. Um, so – and he, the Clemson doesn't get many West Coast guys, you know, obviously. So, you know, he can't no, get a lot of West Coast guys. Yeah. I don't even know a West Coast guy I have on the roster right now, to be honest. I do not know a guy. If they, the only guys they've ever gotten to the West Coast have been Jace, guys who came through the JC ranks, through the junior college ranks, um, who went to Heinz Junior College or went to, you know, whatever, Atawamba or whatever junior college who were guys who originally were West Coast guys who they saw – you know, play at whatever junior college. And it's only been a handful of them. And I don't know if he recruited them, but they've had a couple come through in the past six or seven yeah. years. They might have they might have been under the Bowden administration and he just inherited them. But the point is that that's not his strong suit, obviously. That's not no. his thing. He would yeah, have even, a I lot mean, to learn. That's why he hired Chad Moore's at the time because he was like, man, I, I got to get yeah, – Chad Moore's another high school guy, like recent high yep. school guy. I got I got to get – Man, I can get South Lake Carroll kids, you know, and all Texas kids. I mean, I, of course, hire Chad Morris, you know, good hire. Um, and great, uh, great Jeff, hire. Jeff Scott, too, up there now. So, I mean, they're pretty much running the same offense, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yep. it, it's, I don't, you know, Cole Stout was from Ohio. <laughs> not West Coast at all, but that's not the South. So, that was the guy that kind of reached out there for, I guess. But, yeah, yeah I mean. Chad Kelly's from, um Buffalo, yeah, he's Buffalo. Buffalo. I mean, yeah, right, they've got a few, but 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 my my point still is that they they're not. You don't see a bunch of kids from Corona. You don't see a bunch of kids from <laughs> Petaluma. You know, you don't see a bunch of kids from Norco. Right, you don't see you an know. Urban Meyer approach to the recruiting, is what you're saying. No, yeah, Dabo gets his, his. He stays in state. He's got to fight with old Georgia. North Georgia, of Here's, course, yeah. North Carolina, right. It's the two Carolinas and Georgia and Florida. Usually northern Alabama. Florida. The occasional yeah. kid from South Florida, but but they attack northern Georgia. Northern Georgia. They, they attack basically northern Florida at southern Georgia anyway, I and mean, that's how they see it. So Georgia, they hit hard, obviously. Oh, yeah. They hit that's South Carolina okay. hard, North Carolina mm-hmm. hard. They get the key, but but Alabama, they 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 get into Alabama as well. But right, I mean, essentially, they're recruiting the Confederacy, mostly the eastern part of the Confederacy. Um, you know, that's that's where where they do their work. Uh, they they occasionally, like I said, will pluck a kid. You said Ohio, 
uh, I mean, they they did the occasional Tennessee kid, but they not they don't even really get a lot of kids out of Tennessee. You know, they don't get a lot of kids out of Kentucky. It's mostly the Eastern Seaboard, particularly you know Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, Florida, particularly the northern half of Florida. And uh, as you said, you know they they get some kids out of Alabama. But yeah, he would have a lot to learn to be starting. Yeah. You know, playing in Pac-12. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. I'm literally looking at their roster right now. They do not have a player from out. They have one player from outside of the uh, Confederacy. Yep. One. Yep. Yep. It's a uh, that, that, that kid. It's a it's a new recruit from, from. He's from Massachusetts. He's actually from. He went to boarding school or military school at Hargrave. So. You oh can yeah. Count him. There you go. Anyway, right. so yeah, they have one guy. Yep. <laughs> Right, they recruit the Confederacy. I mean, that's that's. Yeah. I wasn't kidding when I said that. That's 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 what they do, and you can build a really good program by recruiting the Confederacy. Quite frankly, you know, you don't ever have to lose oh, yeah. your stars. The bar is part of the country, and you can build yourself a heck of a program. The, no, they've dominated their own state. I mean, it's, yeah, Texas yeah. is still a relevant program, but they're they're dominating that state, and yep. they don't dominate Georgia. But hey, they got Micah Hyde. They do very. And they do very Joe well Watson in Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, so. They, they've been. They aren't beating Georgia in Georgia, but they've been beating Georgia Tech in Georgia recently. Oh, they're the second best team in the state. Yep, recruiting. Wow. Yep. yep, they kill Georgia. Actually, they do a really. Good job they do. They do a really good job in Georgia. So now maybe he, he can get a couple of kids to go to USC. I mean, that's the whole question. You know, can he? Is it portable? You know, is it Clemson or is it Dabo? <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. Now, Dabo is great with kids, as you point out. And kids love Dabo. And he's just, he just feels like home, you know, to a lot of kids. He just, you know, he like I said, he's in there making biscuits with your grandma. I mean, that's... Well, that's, that's the thing. He's, he, he's he feels oh, go ahead, at sorry. home... For the, he feels at home with, you know, southern right. kids. But no, exactly. Well, L.A. kids feel at home where they're like, he's trying to make biscuits with their mother, and his mother slaps him and goes, what the hell are you doing? Get out of the kitchen. I'm trying to make <laughs> right. a biscuit. Yeah. Right. right. Good point. Right. Yeah. So that's the question. And, that's the question. Is that, is that portable? Can you take that someplace else? Exactly. Yeah, he, he yeah, I like, the, I like um, sweet tea. Sweet tea. We don't have sweet sweet. We don't have sweet tea. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> what, what, he, what do you mean sweet tea? He, um, what was I going to say? He just, you know, he's a guy that, like I said, I like a lot. I yeah, it's definitely a wild card for sure. But, and, you know, he's a guy also, too, that he's considered one of the best head coaching recruiters. I know, you know, people get, like, recruiting coordinator of the year or whatever, and there's assistant coaches that do that. But he, for a head coach, actually does a really good job at traveling and getting around mm-hmm. the I mean, obviously he's not traveling too far, like we just mentioned. But, you know, he does a good job at going where he needs to go. Along with like Jimbo and Urban and those guys, the Sarks, I mean, does a really good job at it too. So, you know, uh, Brian Kelly, um, really good recruiter, really good recruiter. Yes, yes he is. So, uh, someone great head yep. coach recruiter. Um, yep. I think that's the best staff at recruiting in the country, Texas A&M. They're pretty uh, amazing, and they think it's. I mean, obviously they're in Texas, but they get kids from every place. It's amazing. They've got kids from California. They've got kids from Nevada. They've got kids from Arizona. They've got kids from Washington, state of Washington. They've got, they've got, it's amazing how diverse they are. I mean, Texas A&M, 
forever got kids out of Texas. And that was it, which is fine. You don't have to leave Texas. But that was, I mean, even when they were really, really good, the Wrecking Crew era of the 80s and 90s, that, you know, Jackie Sherrill was whipping up for a while there, but it was just Texas kids, 100% Texas kids. Not you have to leave Texas, but, you know, it's amazing how well they've done outside of Texas. Yeah, I mean, some of their best players are, you know, from outside the uh, region, let alone the state, like you said. I mean, so, and their best players, you know, Kirk and Noel and, and Mur- I mean, not Murray, um, Allen, all from different states. Right. Exactly. Kids from Arizona. I mean, it's amazing to me how well they're doing outside of Texas because that was never a Texas A&M thing in the past. I mean, Mike Sherman got a sprinkling of kids from outside of Texas, but they weren't far outside of Texas. And like I said, when they were really good, the last time they were really good, Jackie Sherrill was just, you know, it was all Texas, which is, you know, once again, you you can win 10, 11 games without ever leaving Texas. Maybe more, but it's fascinating to me how they've gone about it at Texas A&M. They've, they've turned A&M into a national recruiter, which, I mean, Bear Bryant wasn't recruiting nationally. You know what I mean? He was there. I mean, it's amazing. They've been playing football in Texas A&M for a long time, but they've never been a national recruiter. They've always been a regional and really basically a Texas recruiter. Well, yeah, they, I mean, I feel like they were kind of on the cutting edge. Along, I mean, I feel like Oregon was on the cutting edge for everybody, but as far as um, Texas A&M, they're on the cutting edge as far as, like, these camps, because that's how you're doing national recruiting, you know, because the camps are national now, you know. That's a new thing, and they were kind of before uh, getting out in front of everybody on that. So, like, like when they got Kyle Allen, they are like, you know, we know you've been friends with Christian Kirk since eighth grade, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or since you're eight years old, like, <laughs> you got to get him for us next year. Like, we got to be at his camp. Where is he going to be at? You know, and that's different. You know, um, they didn't go to the same high school. They're just from the same state. You know, I mean, AAU ball, that's what they played together for basketball. So you got to mm-hmm. be on the cutting edge as far as that. I feel like um, that's big, you know. Because uh, Oregon was really doing it a lot. I mean, they still do it, but they were doing it like they were the first really, uh, I feel like, camp getting guys together um, at their own camps because they could do it because of Nike export. So they had an advantage. Um, they were getting guys to play together early on from uh, all around the country, but they met each other at camps and they kept coming back and back. and You know, they started getting guys like that. It's a big deal for national recruiting. It's a little edge. You can still do it the, the easy way. <laughs> Just go out there and see the kids. But, you know, you can do it that way too. So I guess we're just going to ask you, Donovan, who's the team to beat now? Who should I buy in the Pac-12? I'm selling USC, obviously. I'm selling some of these other programs. Who am I buying? Man, who are you buying? Uh, what are you trying to get? Are you trying to get I'm trying to get play? the team that's going to win the Pac-12. <laughs> oh, okay. Because on the college football playoff, man, I don't think I'm going to buy any of these guys. No, no, no. There's, I don't think there's a playoff team coming oh. out of the Pac-12 this year. Do you like a convertible? Do you prefer SUV? I mean, we're trying I, to figure these out. I would – man, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I, you know what, man? Um, I would buy Cal. Wow. Um, you, you yeah, know, you, I know. You, you, know, you know. you know how old you were the last time 
I'm trying to I know. I know. Last time, Cal outright won the. It was hard to say it. To be honest, I, I, I <laughs> you know, I, I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say UCLA. There's just too much going on, man. Like their punter just got arrested for rape. Like there's just so much. Like how much can you handle, man? It's been it started with a Justin, you know, PDD son. Like it's not stopped. Like something keeps happening every single month, so they can't. They can't deal with – I mean, they can't overcome that. It's just too much. But the team's not that good. And I was going to say Utah, but I picked Cal to beat Utah. <laughs> so I really have to go with Cal uh, right now. Cal is a team that uh, could be the Cinderella story. There's always one every year. Why not Cal, right? They have the best player in the country. They have a good coach. Uh, Sonny Dykes is finally kind of found – where he needs to be as far as, like, in-game in stuff and adjustments. He's probably making better adjustments. I feel like he wasn't doing that at first. Um, Tony Franklin, him and Tony Franklin have done a great job. Their receiving core, um, maybe outside of A&M, is, is possibly the best. They're the most experienced. Uh, Kenny Lawler, Steven Anderson, Bryce Trex, Trevor Davis, Reese Harris, Darius Poe. That's six good upperclassmen receivers. Six. Seniors. Well, Kenny Law is a junior, but five guys, you know. Um, Lasco, Vic, Inouye, uh, and, and Khalifa Muhammad, Trey Watson. They're loaded on offense. We know that. But the defense, man, Kyle Cragen, I mean, he's done a good job up front, man. He's been one of the best defensive ends uh, in the country. And uh, Jalen Jefferson and Hardy Nickerson have been great inside. Like I said, their secondary has been much improved. Um, Griffin Pyatt's healthy now. Um, he just got healthy from that ACL last year, a couple of weeks ago. And even on, the, I mean, Matt Anderson is a kicker as far as I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's average he's a college kicker. Somebody can get on special teams. They they they're really good at kick returning as well. So they have a really good, uh, um, you know, field position every time. I think they start at the thirty-eight. You know, so that's great for for you know your number sixteen, your quarterback. So I'm gonna, I'll, yeah. I'll choose them. But you, but, but schedule, you know what team? But but you know is the best. Special teams, like aggregate in the nation, when you count punt average or average net punt and coverage efficiency and what they get in the return game, know who the best team in the country is? Uh, Utah? Utah. <laughs> that, that special well, teams they have, yeah, their special teams aren't fair, man. They got Tom Hackett. He's, probably, I, he's considered one of the best punters ever. Uh, people don't yep. really talk about punters, but I mean, from people that I, I know, I, I yeah, I'll change about punters right off, but he's a beast. He's a beast, man. He's Australian, so he's good already at kicking. But <laughs> he's he's a beast, and they're kickers. I can't think their kickers name right now, but he's good too. And also, they got good kick returns. But yeah, I mean, I'm a, I, you know, I'm gonna go Cal um, right now. I'm gonna say Cal. It, it's tough to pick them. The schedule's hard. They haven't, you know, yeah, they're undefeated right now, but, you know, they got murders row, even worse than SC, to be honest. So it's going to be tough, but I'm going to go with Cal right now. They're hot. Okay. They look good. Um, I think they can, okay. if they can get past this team this week, this Utah team on the road, big game day game or whatever, they can get past the hype and win this game. Things they can take care of UCLA. Um, I think they can take care of UCLA. USC is a home game, and USC looks like crap. Uh, Oregon's a mess. Oregon State, Stanford, Arizona State. I mean, they're winnable games. Are they the favorite in every game? No, but they're winnable games. They're not 
more than three point underdogs to me in any of those games. So this three game is going to be tough because that's just a robbery game. Okay. Jim Coburn on the Utah Cal game. Are you buying Cal or are you selling? You know, <clears throat> it's a tough it's a tough question because at the same, I'm a believer in golf, but I think you can be a believer in golf and also accept that there's the facts of like the the cold hard truth, if you will, of football in general. Um, I I like what golf's doing. I like what they're doing overall, Cal. I don't think they're that great of a team. A lot of the a lot of the teams they played in conference have been really close games, uh, and I just I don't I don't think that's sustainable. Is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I think as far as who wins the Pac-12, Utah, Stanford are my two go-tos right now. That may change, of course, as the season goes on. But I just think that those – it's going to either be Stanford's going to be Utah. I think Cal is probably going to end up losing to Utah. Uh, they could easily eat one out. Very possible. But uh, it's a lot to ask. I, Goff, if, for Goff to win this year, it's going to be a lot like Derek Carr at Fresno State where he's going to be playing teams where he's going to be constantly having to put points on the, on the board. There's going to be lots of games where they might be up by three touchdowns, four touchdowns. And in the fourth quarter, Goff has to come back into the game and, and win the game again because the defense gave up a bunch of points. And even though Cal's defense is better, I don't think they're as good as everybody kind of makes them out to be. So I, I'll just say that I think Stanford and Utah are probably going to be, you know, going to be that team. Um, I don't know which one, but I don't think Cal's. I, I think Cal will be, make you know, they'll make a bowl game. They'll do as well as they can. They might even beat Utah, but I, I still think that Stanford-Utah is probably going to end up being the Pac-12 winner. Yeah, I – A lot safer, I'm, definitely, with those picks. Because, I, I mean, I went on a limb. <laughs> I was going to pick Stanford, did. but I just – I don't know. No, <laughs> yeah, dude, stay, dude, stay with it. First of all, it's the gutsy. It's the gutsy. Yeah, and it's gutsy. You know, hey, you got big brass ones. I admire you. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be different on purpose. I just really think that Cal can. There, I know what Jim said. They're going to have to do a car. I think they're just going to score a lot, and the defense can turn the ball over. Are they a good defense? Not really, but they get turnovers. You know that works. <laughs> you know, so and Kyle Cragen is a. Re- I like him as a prospect. I'm all about Kyle Cragen, actually. He's a really good prospect to me. And Hardy Nickerson is too. So they got two legit prospects right now. I'm looking at, but I mean, yeah, I just think their defense is uh gonna be good enough. It's gonna be hard. Like Tim said, they they. I mean, the offense can not make that many mistakes. Right. I'd buy Utah. I do. There's no one super sexy. We've got a couple of pro prospects. There's no one mind-boggling talent on the team, though. But they're very well coached. They 
find the hidden stuff, hidden yards, hidden whatever it is that other teams sometimes miss on. I, I, they're the team right now that I'm buying, and they're the team that I feel most solid about. I can, I'll never be able to unsee the Stanford. And I know they're a different team now, but I, I'll never unsee the Stanford that I, I saw. I get that. But you also have to unsee the USC game. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. And I think Pac-12 overall is down this year, overall, across the board, you know. Right. Sure. I just feel like it's like remember North Carolina lost first game of the year. You know, yeah. they've been undefeated since then. Right. You know? I mean, Stanford lost to Northwestern, a really bad game. And apparently they got – it's 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 a weird day when I have to go, I trust Kevin Hogan more than Travis Wilson, but <laughs> I just – It's a weird day. I I don't know. I, I mean, this Utah State, I really like the Utah, but like I said, I don't even know. I mean, that's the thing. I, even though we're at the halfway point of the season, I just feel really good about those teams just because they have defenses that are starting to – Utah's always known what they're doing. Stanford's just starting to get that. You know, they're, they're starting to finally right. get it on defense. Right. Um, Agreed. And – Yeah. I was going to ask you guys. The new Solomon does come back. I mean, can they win out? Because, I mean, their schedule is actually easy coming up. I mean, easier. It's no, no schedule easy in Pac-12. But they play Oregon State at home, oh. play Colorado, Washington State, and Washington, and USC. And New Solomon. Those are all winnable State. games, I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah they're, they're all winnable. Who would be probably favorite in all of them? Oh, but probably, yeah. USC wins kind of far. But, I mean, I almost like Arizona is still a little scary to me a little bit. But, I mean. I don't. A new. They say he's healthy now. You know, he had the two weeks off. So. Hmm. See, they're a threat. They're always going to be a threat. Yeah, I view are. Arizona a lot like Cal. You know. Okay. But I don't think they're going to challenge. Um, I. I don't know. Like I said, I think Utah defensively. I like what they're doing on defense a lot. It is a bunch of guys, but it's a bunch of guys that know what they're doing. And Devontae Booker's really good. Yep. So that's great. Stanford, on the other hand, is basically kind of, not really carbon copy, but, you know, they're, they're similar run, teams. Run, run heavy quarterbacks a little. Eh. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> yeah. But I, uh, I don't know. But like I said, it's a, it's a bad day when <laughs> you're having a big thing. <laughs> but it's just that situation right now. Cause I re- and I really like Cal, and I'd love for you know Jared Goff to basically prove the world wrong. I kind of don't want him to do that. I want him to fall in the draft and go to like a, you know, I hate to say Aaron Rodgers it up, but go to a team, you know, that or at least stay, maybe stay in school another year. Uh, but maybe go to a team where you can kind of sit behind and put on some weight and that kind of stuff. But um, I don't know. But I'm getting tired of, again, this is sort of a nut up or shut up moment with Jared Goff because it is. I'm tired of all these people going, oh, the, the velocity is 
it's just, it's just, it's just, I'm so, so weak. It's so weak. You know, it's like, okay. Oh, the, the, the spread offense. It's so spready. Uh, Connor Cook's running the same dang passing concept. I know. And yet, I know. you guys don't even bring that up. Connor he has Cook. a tight end and a fullback sometimes. See? Exactly. <laughs> the running game is the only difference. Pass the game is yep. the same, same, same. Yep. 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 Bill, who, who, who is your pick, Bill, for the Pac-12? USC, if I remember correctly. No, no. I Well, I mean, preseason, it was USC. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at this moment, I'm leaving Utah. Okay. So, you guys are both uh, – yeah, Utah, they look good, man. Utah, I'm scared tomorrow. Utah might destroy Cal. Like they could easily win because they run the ball so well and they're at home. That game's like well, they get uh, pressure. Biggest game you know? that they've had in a while too. Yeah, they do get. I the hundred mimic is one of my favorite players in the country. Um, they get pressure. I mean, they got good DBs. They got you know great great linebackers. Uh, they're tough. Some would say Goff isn't tough, but you know there was a part in the Texas game where Goff was like, "Okay, Texas, stop hitting me," you know. <laughs> So, and it wasn't his fault. He just kind of got nicked up a little bit um, and then wasn't able to really, you know, a lot of that Texas coming back was because golf wasn't really 100% at the end of the game. Uh, and Utah could definitely put golf into 86% or 85%. Right. So right. They could definitely do that. Yeah, that's the one weakness for Cal to me is uh, their offensive line and the depth of it. Uh, Man, I mean, outside of Jordan Rigby, I don't really see any guys that, you know, have any next-level skill, like all-American skill. Um, they're not deep. So, I mean, Gav, all those skill position plays are sexy and nice, but, you know, that might be the factor. At some point, you got to block, block and you got to tap. Yeah, you do. You do. So, that's scary. And, you know, I know they've been trying to rotate Cameron Bennett, the, the redshirt freshman at, at tackle two, and, like, they're still messing around with their O line. Is basically what I'm saying, and that scares me. Yeah, well, that scares me too. <laughs> when you're yeah, talking it's, about, it's the fifth game of the that. season, or what, sixth game of the season now? They're five and zero. You know, it's the sixth game of the season. They're still messing around with the offensive line, so that does scare me, and that's almost why I don't want to pick them. But I just am gonna go to still. But like you guys said, Utah's Utah's so. The thing I like about Utah's team is like they're so. Experience. I'm not talking about like guys with more missions. I'm just saying like their guys are upper class. Like right, as far as top ten, they don't have they they only have uh, two underclassmen, two guys that right. are non draft eligible. That start basically. I'm saying Tyron Smith is the freshman, and then they got the kid uh, Felipe Mofisi, I believe. They're nose tackle. Yep, that's it. And the rest of the team is old. I agree. Yeah, they're all juniors and seniors. Part uh, of why you're quarterback. Two quarterbacks. I mean, even if you want, if you don't like Chaz Wilson, you like Kendall Thompson. He's a fifty senior too. So, yep. And another guy that was at Oklahoma. <laughs> yep. So many Oklahoma, Yet another Texas former Oklahoma quarterback. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that seems great, man. I mean, you can't go wrong in Utah. That's the safe bet. Like, if I was betting house, my house on it, I would pick Utah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right. But, but I know what you're saying. You have a feeling about Cal, and they do have, you know the quarterback. They have the guy who can possibly erase 
that's the thing that you, you, you ask great quarterbacks to be able to find out who's great, a great college quarterback. You say, look, we've got a chance. This team's good, but I need you to cover up these things that we don't do well. So go out there and fix it for us. Yeah, yo. I mean, Travis Wilson's playing his ball. This is why I wanted to see how Travis all these. I mean, he's always shown he either plays really good or really bad. That's Travis Wilson. He never. But this year, was, he hasn't really played that bad. It's been more just good. So, uh, especially the Oregon game, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, that's what you want to see from him. And then Kendall Thompson, they, they're using him right. I think they messed around with that a little bit too much Um, before. But now that they have, you know, I like Brian Johnson. That, that was their quarterback, and he was their OC. But, you know, he's at Mississippi he, he State now. Youngest, right, he was the youngest offensive coordinator in the uh, FBS, in fact. Yeah, he's 28. He's, 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 he's even younger than, younger than right. staff. Yeah, he's 28. Yep, that's speaking of young coaches. <laughs> he became, he became a, a position coach at 24. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, now that he's going to be a – he'll be a head coach there's, soon. There were, Next at year, the time, maybe. At the, time, at the time he became Utah's QB coach, there were six kids on the roster – kids – six players on the roster were older than he was. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I mean, so, but but what I was saying with Brian Johnson is just he he messed around with the, you know, running quarterback stuff with the option. Now they're not messing with it as much. They had just too much. I feel like too many heads on the offense. Um, because Dennis right. Erickson's an offensive coordinator, and right. you know he likes to do things totally different from Brian Johnson. So I think that was yep. getting Travis' head a little bit, you know, mentally. Just it was too much almost. Um, I don't like two OCs unless, like, they got to be really similar in play calling. And, I, and Brian Johnson and Des Erickson were not that. So. Or, or they have to divide up their duties so clearly and distinctly that they don't step on each other. Like, one guy has to – what team did this recently? Was it Nebraska? Somebody recently had the co-OCs, and one guy just did running stuff, you know, the running game, and the other guy just did the passing game. Some some team just did this. Some college team just did this recently. I can't remember which. Was it Oklahoma? Maybe or Nebraska. Um, Probably Oklahoma. I mean, they had Heupel and uh, Norvell. Maybe it was there. I can't remember. Some team. Which team just just fired Sean Watson? Where was that? Or Louisville. Louisville. Somewhere. Somewhere was doing that, where they had a guy who was their run game coordinator and a pass game coordinator as co-offensive coordinators. Yeah, that works for sure. That works. Um, but when you got two guys, obviously Brian Johnson, quarterback guy, Dennis Erickson was not trying to quarterback, so that wasn't really working um, no. too well. No. Um, so, I mean, with Sarge and Kiffin were doing, they're two different things. Um, so that worked, but, you know, it, it's uh, hard. And I feel like Travis uh, Wilson, is benefiting from not having two OCs, even though they're both good. <laughs> I mean, you, and Dennis Erickson, you know, he's kind of had – he's had trouble with these tall quarterbacks, man, because him and Brock didn't get along. I know him and Travis Wilson no. didn't get along at first. Nope. Um, they're good now. But, <laughs> you know, that's kind of almost why Travis Wilson entered the draft last year because he just didn't want to play for Dennis Erickson. <laughs> but they're good now, it seems. Yeah. To be, I mean, and this is not the kind of guy that you can expect to be co-offensive coordinator with a guy who's 
almost 50 years his junior. I mean, that's got to be a weird thing, you know. To, I mean, he recruited that kid probably. You know what I mean? Like, he's got to be thinking, didn't I just game plan against you Wednesday? I mean, was, was I just lining up against, lining my team up against you like 40 minutes ago? So he's looking at this guy. I mean, here's a guy who's been the head coach in the NFL a couple times. He's won championships at Miami. It's got to be weird for him to sit down with a guy who's 25, 26, whatever, and game plan with him together as equal. That's got to be weird. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely, you know, it just worked out for best, I feel like, for both guys. Dennis has offense to himself now, and Brian Johnson is uh, with a guy he's familiar with, Dan Mullen, and Mississippi State is an OC. So, you know, it worked out. For both guys. <laughs> and both quarterbacks are playing good. Prescott and, and Chesel. Yep. It has helped both of them. It's it's like, as you said, it's hard to have co-offensive players. I don't think I've ever seen people do it with defense, so maybe I'm just forgetting. It seems to almost just be offense where people try to make that co-coordinator thing work. I can't recall. I don't know any current ones for sure, and I can't recall any co-defense. I know, I know Virginia Tech sure. did it for one year before they finally reassigned Stein Spring to just tight end. I can't remember this. But, I mean, there's a few teams that have messed around with it, but it doesn't seem to work well most of the time, first of all. I mean, a few times it's worked well, but it makes play calling, which is, you know, challenging enough. You know, it's got to make it super hard. Well, let's run. Oh, no, wait, you have another idea? Okay, well, then what do you want to run? I mean, how does, you know, you I guess they worked that out ahead of the game, you know, who's going to actually, but, oh, man. Well, I mean, you, you just get your game plan, and then you decide. Right. I mean, it depends on who you are. You know, some coaches want to just set everything up so that, Every every time it's this situation where we're going to run these plays, every time it's this situation where we're running these plays, and just do it on Sundays and not have to think about it, you know. Right. Um, right. And then you have other people that are like, let's just wing it, and then they have to call the timeout or they get the ten second penalty because they took too long to figure out what the heck they're going to do. But um, I don't know. I've never been in that situation, so obviously I have no clue how to do it. I know Texas. Uh, a and M or no Texas Tech and uh, Arizona State both have uh, co coordinators. Someone's supposed oh. to know, like current. Mm. I know Arizona State does for sure. Patterson and Ball are both right. Like Patterson's, I guess the linebacker coach more so, and then Chris Ball does the secondary. So it's, I mean, their defense isn't good. So <laughs> I guess it's not really working too well. <laughs> right. And there's. There it is. Um, SEC. I'll ask you, Jim Coburn. Who, who who do you want to sell me on in the SEC? Who should I be buying stock in in the SEC? Buying stock in the SEC. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, mean, I me, would buy. Sell me somebody. Hmm. Man, I buy Florida for the SEC East. So, oh, okay. 
Okay. You can buy that, right? 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 I guess. That's the CD. By Florida. You mean like as a whole? You mean that was like the entire like, thing? Uh, the entire SEC East Florida will be the top team out top top team out of that. So can you buy that? Is that something you're interested in? Uh, maybe. Uh, so, what are the features? Why would I? Why would I prefer this to just taking one team? I guess. Well, it's they're a good defense. Okay. Overall, I mean, they have Vernon Hargraves, who's uh, one of the best quarterbacks in all college football. Yes. Uh, they have yes. Jonathan Bullard, probably one yes. of the better interior defenses. Fun to watch. Fun to watch. Present yes. in college football, is getting there as well. Uh, the linebacker core is pretty solid across the board. Really good in terms of, you know, stopping people. Uh, that for sort of perspective. And on offense, they got Demarcus mm-hmm. Robinson, a wide mm-hmm. receiver, who's really good. Night wing wide receiver, I'd say. You know, um, yes. not quite <laughs> full full Batman type wide receiver, but night wing. You know, could be Batman one day type of guy. Uh, they got Kelvin Taylor, who's a nice little tough little running back, and they got Will Greer, who is better than Josh Dobbs, better than Patrick Paul. <laughs> Uh-huh. Better than the Vanderbilt quarterback. Better than <laughs> Farrell Cooper, who's the quarterback at South Carolina. <laughs> and let me and Missouri quarterback is who's the quarterback there? No, no. It's uh, Drew Lock. Drew Lock. Ed a little bit better than Drew Lock. So I I think that that's the situation we're about. I don't know what to do with SEC West. And the only reason why I say that is because a lot of the major dogs there haven't played each other yet. So, Texas A&M hasn't played LSU. Knowing the history, LSU is going to run the football down Texas A&M's throat, and then they're going to be like, we can't breathe, and then then Musball is going to be like, you are the nail, and I'm the hammer, you know, type of thing. Uh, I am the one who hammers, as Musball doesn't like that. Or Texas A&M surprises the world with a better defense than they've had in a while and a really good offense and does their thing. And they step into the fold and do their crazy, ridiculous Christian Kirk-based offensive approach with all the other wide receivers they have, like Speedy Knoll and, you know, it's like, uh, hey, hey, Cyrus Jones, cover Speedy Knoll. <laughs> you know, hey, Geno Smith, Alabama. Hey, why don't you cover? Uh, uh, who, oh, we got Josh Reynolds over here. Yeah, cover that guy. You know, so Ole Miss is a. We know what Ole Miss is. Ole Miss is a pretender. So sorry, guys. I just, <laughs> I know they beat Alabama, but I'm just saying they're a pretender. It's really up to right. it's really up to A and M and LSU and Alabama because Nick Saban, you know, Nick Saban. So, so I'm not really 100 percent sure on that situation. The SEC East, come on, Florida. Like, there's no other. Georgia had their shot and punted. Uh, Kentucky, same difference. Missouri, 
Tennessee, I mean, you know, I blame Steve a little bit for making me believe, but, you know, um, I don't believe anymore. No. <laughs> Talented team, but Josh Dobbs is not the answer. Um, South Carolina, Spurrier is probably done. And Vanderbilt is, well, you know, Vanderbilt. So, I would say I'm buying Florida. I don't know who to buy in the SEC West. Okay. I just don't. Okay. So, Donovan, one, are you buying Florida? And two, do you know who you'd like to buy in the West? Yeah. Well, I'll start with Florida. Are you buying Florida? Yeah. Um, I'm buying Florida. I mean, you know, they still – they already took care of Kentucky, who a team I thought might be a sleeper. They played Missouri. I think they'll win that game. Uh, I do like Drew Lawrence, but they do good enough. They do still have to play Georgia at that neutral side game, which is so emotional all the time and tough game. But I think they're better. Excuse my dog. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think they're better, too. But I don't know. Your dog I, obviously is a Georgia fan. I think it's literally happening. Like he just gets this. Off. But uh, um, yeah, that's funny. But uh, add some humor to the show, I guess. Right? But no, um, it, yeah, I, I would go with Florida. Oh, see, there you go. We'll go for it. Just clearly, which is clearly upsetting. Clearly upsetting your your companion animal that you're not yeah, thinking. Rufus is not. Rufus is not a happy camper. At all, um, we probably need to put him outside. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, <laughs> Florida, 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 and out west, um, tough. You know, like like Jim said, if I, if I have to pick one, I got to ride with my 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 uh, Bayou Bengals. Um, God, I love Texas and him so much. But and John Chavis has their defensive coordinator, uh, who is the best yep. defensive coordinator, and they have the best defensive in the country. <laughs> they have a lot going for them. Uh, probably the best tandem, uh, definitely top five. Uh, Devontae Harris is playing great, and so is uh, Brandon Williams. But LSU, we stick with them. Brandon Harris, just don't turn the ball over. You know, that's all you, that's all I'm asking for. You know, you, you throw ten passes a game, complete seven, <laughs> we can live with that. <laughs> you know, we'll run the ball for that, and, and, you know, we'll spell them every now and then, of course, with uh, Williams, too, their backup running back. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. You know, we're going to go with that line, that 2 deep line uh, on defense and offense. And, yeah, so I'll pick LSU. Plus, um, you know, LSU can – they can't really cover A&M per se, but I think they can do the best job covering them with their corners. So, I'll pick them. Well, okay, LSU – as I mentioned, even preseason, if it weren't for the quarterback situation, I would have been really high on them. It appears the quarterback situation at least has taken the Hippocratic oath. Well, they're reducing his touches, though, Bill. They're reducing, exactly. they're keeping yeah. the ball out of his hand and right. giving it into Leonard Fournette. <laughs> Which is wise. Um, I would do the same. I congratulations, that tip. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Cam Cameron's not there anymore, right? I think he's still there. Oh, is he still, um, okay. Well, then hat tip to Cam so. Cameron on having – if he's still there, then hat tip to Cam Cameron for having figured out how to fix his offense by keeping the ball off the hands of his quarterback. 
So yeah, Fournette is fifty-two percent market share right now, and that's that's pretty probably, which, which is Marcus on at USC market share. Yep, I remember Marcus a long time ago at USC. And the funny thing is, the year before that, he had been a starter, but not at running back. He started at fullback and blocked at six three or whatever in two hundred two pounds. He was a blocking fullback. That's what I knew this kid, you know, had something because, you know, instead of just saying, you know, I'll, I'll be the second string running back, he asked to, you know, well, I want to be on the field. Well, I'll let you play fullback. And he did. He was a really good blocking fullback for Charles White the year before he took over the world. I still have him up there amongst, I mean, I've seen a lot of really good running backs in college. You know, Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker, Tony Dorsey, Jeez, right? Uh, I saw Earl Campbell in college. I saw these guys. And I saw people People forget how good guys like Greg Pruitt. You know, he was awesome in college. People forget how good Billy Sims was in college. I saw him. But Marcus Allen's year, man, that year he had. Oh, oh. And the thing is, he caught the ball. I mean, a couple of other guys caught the ball. I mean, I saw Marshall Falk and, and, and you know, his entire career at Penn State, and he did everything to them. I mean, he except, you know, kick. Right. He, he, he didn't play much defense, but I mean, he didn't kick. But he used to do everything else on offense. I mean, he did everything. You know, he was on the field. And he did. He could do some returning, special teams game. But, I mean, he, he lined up the wide receiver at times. He took a couple of direct snaps, had a few halfback option passes. He just seemed like nothing good. But Marcus Allen was this amazing. I've never seen anything quite like him. I've never seen a guy built like that, pass power. He was a great between the tackles. That build, you know, he was never more than about 200 at the heaviest, about 211 pounds, you know, in his NFL career. And he was, 180 something or 190 when he gets to, to USC, it was maybe 204, 205, maybe when he left there. He was darn near six foot three. But I mean, he didn't look blazing fast, but my, my, I'd say he eyeballed out to about mid to high four or five. But people didn't catch him from behind. And despite that build, he broke, I don't know, loads of tackles. I mean, I, I mean, people didn't keep uh, yards after contact as a, a stat in those days, but his, whatever the numbers were on him, they had a great number. And he catches like a throw the ball, had been a high school quarterback. And he used to tease, like I said, tease Ronnie Lott, saying, you know, Ronnie Lott was the second best safety on the team uh, because, the, the, because, you know, the number one safety prospect in the state when he and Lott came out was Mark Allen. You know, he just would have these set to keep him on, on offense, but he wasn't on the That's the thing that I mean, people still talk about. It. So I play Still talk about it. Still talk about what the piece is. But, yeah, I mean, Marcus Allen. I don't know if I've ever seen a better college running back. I've seen some who were good, but I don't know if I've ever seen a better one. Marcus Allen is close. You know, it's impressive. Because the thing is, guys like Blue Jackson and, and uh, Herschel Walker, they didn't do as big different things as well as Marcus Allen did. 
those guys didn't catch the ball much in college. In fact, I don't, I don't, I don't know if those guys had double-digit receptions in their collegiate careers. I don't know if I can check, but I believe the bat the numbers were really good, and they didn't do, you know, other stuff like that blitz pick up whatever. Those guys, Marcus, Marcus Block, he did everything and did so well. Ah, oh, he was a joy to watch, and it just broke. Well, whatever. Moving on. Um, I I am a buyer on Florida, and I, I wasn't until that was. I liked what was going on there, and I was impressed with McElvain and the coaching staff, and but but I, I thought they were easily year away, maybe two when the season began. I was shocked or impressed or both with how quickly that team has come along and how far down the road they are. And yeah, so I I, I too think that Florida is going to be one of the best teams in the conference, the best team in the Mississippi State. Uh, they don't quite have the same level of defense or the same level of efficiency that they don't quite have that I'd like to see. Well, they I don't have the, the ammunition, you know. Right, right, yeah. They're bringing, they're bringing a knife to a gunfight, you know. Right. <laughs> so you guys Fine. need to get in and just be real with yourselves that the West is gamblers and there's just no way around it. I mean, are we? Well, we'll, we'll, are we'll, we'll, see. Working we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I we'll, mean, I picked Auburn, but it's just not working out. So you just, it's yeah. going to be yeah. done. Like well, <laughs> well, well, hey, I, I, had, I, I had LSU I, from the start, man. So I don't care about this Bama stuff, man, because we know that they can lose to LSU. But they're not. I mean, but the, the, the <laughs> Bama is good for one loss because no one's running the table in the SEC. But the one loss always means nothing. Matter of fact, Bama lost to Ole Miss last year and turned around. And to me, last year's team was worse than the team they have right now. So um, I just can't I agree. see Alabama going to Cowfield and that hell of a place in LSU and winning both games back to back week. But that's a lot to ask for from 14. Well, guess what? He's going to have to make Saban. Pass, man. He's going to have to make You can't run with Derrick Henry every down. He's not Fournette. Oh, but guess what? <laughs> Alabama is built to beat one team and one team only, the LSU Tigers. I was just that about to say, when was the last time Les Miles beat Saban? It had to have been well, now maybe the year they played in the title. The year they played in the title game, right? That, yeah, that was the last the time. Year. The times he's lost has been against quarterbacks that could throw on him. You know? Yeah, basically. And and how many of those does LSU get? Well, it's Brandon Harris. <laughs> Brandon Harris will have to step up against Alabama, and I'll just say Bill knows that if Brandon Harris steps up, he'll step out. Mm-hmm. I say, don't, mm-hmm. count, don't count Alabama out. That's all I'm trying to say. Nick Saban oh, I'm not is, counting them out. I'm not counting them you, out. You're all LSU crazy. I, I don't well, think this is as good I, as you know, I think it is. I think Alabama's I think that gonna... Fournette will run into Reggie Ragland a lot, and he'll be like, oh, you're as big as me. Oh, it's not hurting. <laughs> it's nothing I mean, wrong with third in the yeah. West this year, which I think that they might do. I think a and and LSU um, are going to finish ahead of Alabama. That's not – they might be a top ten team, but if they're in the West, that's just how the West rolls. It's the best conference yeah, by true. far. True. Best division by far anyway. So. I mean, yeah, Alabama can win it. I just, I, A&M, 
don't match up. Alabama does not match up good with them. <laughs> so, yeah, they match up good with LSU. Give you that. But I still think LSU is kind of better. But uh, A&M is at home, and they're a spread team. True. It's enough to sell me. <laughs> with those in the secondaries, yeah, Alabama secondary. We know how that is. So, I mean, and we know how A&M receivers are, <laughs> too. So, yeah. I don't know. It's going to be fun, that stretch where they all play each other in, like, three weeks or whatever. So uh, I really can't wait to see it, how it, go, how, it goes, uh, how it goes down. Oh, no. Well, Montel, since you joined the show, yeah. who do you think is going to win the SEC? Oh, yeah, Alabama's going to win the SEC, guys. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Um you know, I'm not a fan at all, but um, this is usually, in, in, you know, it's going to mirror last year. Once you see the type of team they have, uh, they kind of begin coaching these guys up, and you start seeing them playing outside themselves. I'm not a big Jacob Kogan fan, but even he's been slightly better lately, and I think you look at, you know, their defensive front, it's been tough, it's been stout, and the secondary can still be had. So uh, that's why I got a, I got about a Donovan is that is you know if 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 A and M they go and play them that that could be trouble because that 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 secondary can definitely be had. So but um but they look better and, and with Kenyon Drake uh you know uh, adding a little uh, versatility to that offensive uh, game and you know he's healthy this year I think the offense has some more punch. So yeah, give me them. But I will say uh you know Bill knows why I can't pick Georgia win the East, but I want to. Uh, but maybe Florida, Florida will show the show up and, and get on out there. But yeah, uh, that's where we're at. Yeah, I, it's hard, I though, said, isn't it? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, Alabama has not really impressed me, and I, I picked against them going into the season, and I, I thought this would be a down for them. I think they're going to drop at least one more game this year, and possibly but I think definitely one more game, and I think they're going to. I think they'll drop another game, too, but you're not going to like where they drop it. <laughs> Wherever they drop it, I think it's going to be enough. I can I can give you A&M if that's the game. I mean, I don't want to, but that, to me, is the most, you know, likely. Um, I don't know, but that's where I have them. Right. Okay. They're getting with Monta Hardy and of course. They know probably like a Monta Hardy, probably because of Monta Hardy. Stop! Montel, the Big Ten, is. I put this. Usually, basically, a two team fight. Traditionally, uh, the last several years, in the old days, it was. The Ohio State University and that's up north. Yeah. However. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. However, <laughs> however things have changed at least a little bit. Uh, same state, but the little brother has clearly usurped the spot of big brother. So it's once again Ohio State and that other school in that state. Uh, mm-hmm. That's pretty much been what it is that you could sort of. In the conversation at that point, everybody else is fighting it out for third. Who should I be buying in the Big Ten this year? Sell me on, on a Big Ten school, which one and why? 
Are we talking like specifically about teams or prospects? Well, you can mention prospects, especially in part of your selling points on the team. But yes, you're selling me on a team. I'm buying in a, on a team, and I'm, which one should I be buying? Um, oh well, you know, I look at it this way. Um, I'm not, I'm not that high on Michigan moving forward, guys. Um, I would say that. Uh, I think they're going to be really good, but I think they they might have a couple more wins on the schedule. But I wouldn't necessarily tell people to buy uh, Michigan stock. I think you got to buy some Northwestern stock. I think they're adding up. I think you got to go and take your Iowa State because, like I said before, uh, even though they're sleepwalking through some games, the next tough one they play will be. Um, in Columbus versus Michigan State, I think everything else shouldn't really uh, shouldn't shouldn't be too t- too tough for them. I'd also take some Iowa State or Iowa stock as well, mostly because uh, they're finding a way to win. The D line is playing at a high level, and uh, you know their secondary is very good. Desmond Bishop, uh, Jordan Lomax, everyone you know. Iowa's usually been pretty vanilla, but um, they can shock someone if you come into that game sleepwalking. Okay. So I definitely, you know, have enjoyed. I had a, a buy and hold position on, on Northwestern early on. Uh, it's been fun to watch how, how they performed and grow as a team. So the team that you think has the best chance to come out and then I guess perhaps even represent the conference in the, in the playoffs is that Michigan. I guess I would make sure I do believe who your most aggressive or most confident player. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear the last part of what you said. Say that again. I was saying, was that a, I was trying to make sure I understood the team you were most impressed, most aggressively wanted to have a strong position in. You know, was that was that Ohio State or was that Michigan State that you thought had the best chance to? You know, to be the to be there when it's all said and done. Oh, it, it would definitely be Ohio State, but, but like I said before, um, that's you know I have them over Michigan State. But uh, you know, if you're going places to buy, buy Ohio State first, buy Michigan State second, buy Northwestern third. Okay. Okay. Um, Donovan, do you agree? Disagree? Where you buy? Donovan? Do we do we lose Donovan? Donovan James? Maybe we lost Donovan. Going once? Going twice. Okay, we may have lost Donovan. Well, I guess it's up to you, Jim. Do you also feel, as Montel says, that you should be putting a lot of your assets into acquiring Ohio State in the Big Ten? I don't know. Um, it's Ohio State seems to be a team that a lot like Florida State. Their style of play recently has been drunken boxing. How I like to say it. <laughs> Where they're staggering around, they're throwing punches, they're whoopty wopting back and forth, but they end up winning, and you're like, how the heck did this guy win? Uh, that's what it is, and I don't trust that. 
a lot like Florida State last year where they were in these games where teams were, like, going for the knockout blow, and they just seemed to just stagger forward and get a knockout towards the end, even against a team like Clemson. So you're like, why Clemson? And you go, well, because they're Clemson. But I just feel like Ohio State, as much as they're, – they're so talented as a team that you're just like, why can't you get the quarterback position set? You know? Um, I don't say this much as well. They need to just ride Ezekiel Elliott until he's, you know, done. I, I've looked at what they are trying to do on offense. You mean like an LSU where they, where they just set it and frenet it? <laughs> exactly. Set it and frenet it. That's good. That's good. I think the um, team were finally uh, Barnett finally installed as the starter. I think well, this is that game. He hasn't been he hasn't been named as a starter yet. He hasn't been named. Well, I'm saying this is the game that hasn't exactly been playing that well, even when he's in. Well, I mean, I think he's gonna get bent. Uh, Bear, or not Bear. Uh, Jones gonna get benched, and then Barrett's gonna take over. Okay, we'll see. I mean, they both played, and at the end of each game, when they asked, well, he keeps saying Cardell Jones is the starter. <laughs> So thus far, he's been unwavering on this point. Now, maybe it'll change, but as of this moment, My, whenever people I mean, ask Urban Meyer, he keeps saying it's Cardinal like Jones. The, like, the, like the thing, for example, is like this. I don't understand why they don't use Michael Thomas enough. I don't understand why they use uh, – I don't understand why they use Braxton Miller a lot. And I only say that because they use it occasionally, that's great. He's like that little extra ingredient in your little pot, you know. Um, but they seem to be like, oh, well, let's let's make him a, a side dish. It's like, I don't want a side dish of Braxton Miller. I just want a little dash of Braxton Miller. <laughs> I, uh, you know, where they're specifically setting up passing plays almost in a sense of like, hey, thank you for downgrading the wide receiver. We're going to reward you by giving you touches that you look good to the NFL. Versus just running the football. So, so James, you actually brought up a, a really good point. Like, I really wish I could go through and count, like, the number of targets, but they are forcing the ball to them, and it's, it's gotten them into some trouble. So, I I don't – I'll say very top team, like I said. Um, but the offensive direction is suspect. Especially when you have a guy like Ezekiel Elliott. Where I'm like, use that guy. But he's just sitting there. He's just, yeah. Nothing bad happens when you give it to Ezekiel Elliott. Like, but lots of bad things happen when you have Cardale throw the football. Or even J.C. Barry throw the football at times. So just I don't that. Is this the point where I think they should just put uh, back, back Braxton Miller back in quarterback, use him a little bit more in the game, just a few plays? You know, to help out because you know when he when he was quarterback, he was helping out the team a lot more than what they're doing right now. Well, there's 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 two things. That's, one is that even more dysfunction. For this. Right. There's, <laughs> there's two things wrong. Right. There's two things wrong with that. One is he hasn't practiced at quarterback in several months, so he'd have to try to relearn the quarterback position exactly on the fly. That's not usually a good thing for a team that's chasing a national championship. 
two, even though he keeps claiming his arm is fine, his shoulder's fine, it sounds like whistling past a graveyard. I, I keep hearing from people, not Braxton Miller, he says he's fine, but from other people that his shoulder's not fine and that he's not able to throw the ball as well or as often as he used to. So I think there's several reasons why he's not going to be a quarterback again, other than, you know, some sort of, you know, Randall well, L. Yeah. yeah, some Randall L., some, you know, uh, Heinz Wardy kind of option passy things. But yeah, they even the used Declan Bolton as that after, you know, he transitioned. Well, I mean, a lot of wide receivers at one point in their careers, Percy Harvin even, you know, has played some quarterback. Lots of wide receivers, you know, can throw the ball fairly well. Muhammad Sanu. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like I said, a long list of wide receivers were at some point in their career as quarterbacks. The issue isn't so much dreaming up some little gadget play for Braxton Miller. That's not a challenge. The issue is that team defining itself as an offense. People were getting all over Sarkeesian, and you know, rightly so, about their lack of having a coherent identity as an offensive team. But what's Ohio State's excuse? <laughs> you know, I mean, well, Ohio they, State does have an identity. This is what their identity is, okay? but they're avoiding it. It's Cardinal Jones, wing it. And then home run hits from Ezekiel Elliott. That's our offensive strategy. So go on, oh, I think they should go and wing it. They should. They should run the ball at least a lot more than what they do with Elliott. Why don't they? I think they should run him as much as the uh, LSU runs the net. Because yes. when they run the ball more than like twenty-five times, they're normally effective, and they only use it like use the pass like on uh, long third-down situations. But. They would be essentially unbeatable if they just decided to become, or darn close to unbeatable, if they just decided to become a true running team. Now, the and they have also issue, other running backs that could do it too. They have, they have a lot of they have a lot of stuff. They have a lot. Of, they have a lot of players. They have a lot of stuff going on there. But the, the thing that prevents as far as I can tell, that prevents them from just going ahead and, and selling out and just saying, okay, we're a running team. One is, I think, Urban Meyer is trying to prove something. It seems to me he's trying to prove something about his offense. Oh, he's trying to prove has, something. Well, yeah. But, I mean, it's a, it, when his offenses have been at their best, they've been run-heavy. His Utah team that beat Alabama was a very run-heavy team. Uh, you know, obviously Florida when he was having great success, it was a pretty run-heavy team. If they want to be a 60% run team, that's their ticket to me to being in the final four playoffs and possibly even, you know, hoisting the crystal football again. But if they're going to try to be a 60% passing team with 40% run, I definitely worry about where they might end up when the year is over. I mean, if they so, could just do what LSU does, you know. Yeah, maybe well, they could. Know. But yeah, they could. Urban Meyer's not going to change. Well, I mean, he's he's had a lot of success. 
I can, yeah, I can understand. I can understand his stubbornness. To succeed in the, uh, in continue to succeed in college football, you got to learn to adapt. Got to learn to pick up new systems. Right. Well, I mean, they don't even need a new system. The system they have now works just fine. They just need to change the how they divvy it up. You know, so that, like I said, the man's won a lot of football games. You know, he's got the, I think, the yeah, highest winning percentage of, of anybody who's coached in 150 ball games, maybe ever, but not ever. I take it back. Red Blake has the, has the highest for anybody who's coached 150 ball games ever, but he's in the top three or four historically amongst uh, coaches mm-hmm. who've coached 150 ball games in terms of winning percentage. He's one of the most successful football coaches of all time. So he, he clearly understands certain things. But I think he's trying to break out of, break some tendencies and break out of people's conceptions of what his team is and is not. So it sounds like everybody still seems sold on Ohio State though, as the best team, unless someone says in the Big, tw- Big yeah. Ten, unless somebody's saying something different. Yeah. Well, is that a yes or a no? I don't know. Well, I've kind of lost the- every, all my days <laughs> in Ohio State. But I, <laughs> the thing is, I don't think anybody will beat them. Well, then that's, the Big well, so if, if the, so that still means the best team in the Big Ten. I mean, you, you you can't say if nobody's going to beat them. You can't say and still and say I don't believe in them. You may not believe in them as much as you want to, but if you see them running through the Big Ten undefeated, then you clearly believe in them. You know, so you may go meh or whatever all you want, but you said they're going to run through the Big Ten undefeated, so that's belief. You know, you may not like it, but that's what that's what that means. So that takes us to the ACC. Um, sell me on someone. Sell me somebody in the conference, Isaiah. Sell me on a team. Tell me who I should so buy. I was going to say Michigan State. I take over Ohio State at this point. Okay. Well, you said you said Ohio State's going to go undefeated in the conference. So <laughs> I think that was pretty definitive. <laughs> so moving on to the ACC. Sell me on someone. Who should I be buying into in the ACC? Clemson. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I would say Florida State, but I know you're going to shoot that down. No, I'm not shooting anything down. It's your job to sell me on them. Um, well, Clemson, I'm going to start with them. Clemson, you've got everything on the offense. You've got a quarterback. You've got uh, playmakers on the outside. You've got a stable run game. You have a pretty solid offensive line. And you've got uh, players that will wreak havoc on defense. And so far, I think they're, uh, if not the best team, they're amongst the top in that whole ACC. And it's between them and Florida State, but if I had to choose a team, I'd choose Clemson over Florida State in a heartbeat. They have the better sure. quarterback. And I would say they probably have some some other advantages beyond that even. But, I mean, if yeah. you're selling someone, it sounds like you're selling 
I, I, I would be buying. You know, you did a good job. I would buy Clemson as well. And it helps that they've passed the eye test. Uh, they played. And, and they should have been playing without their biggest playmaker on offense. Yeah, they they didn't have the cleanest game in the world against Notre Dame, but they, they managed to still hang on and win it. Jim, who would you like to sell me on in the, in the same conference in the ACC? Hmm. Jim Coburn? Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess I have to go Clemson by default. You said by default. It's not a very good <laughs> Well, I don't know about that, but we'll see. I guess we'll see. I I say it because Florida State has a lot of um, question marks right now. Especially mm-hmm. that running game. Just see Dalvin Cook being out. Yeah. Um, that and defensive players going down, too. So um, I think That's uh, what I was going to say. Uh, some of their top tacklers are coming out. So, I guess Clemson. I don't really believe in Clemson 100%. And honestly, going back and watching, I there is no how dare you. It's just fact. And uh, <laughs> when it comes to the Notre Dame game, the big thing for me watching that game again was uh, that, man, if Malik Zaire hadn't gone down, I wonder what that game would have been like. Because, yeah. you know, but... Hey, sit down Notre Dame. <clears throat> There's nobody else. Syracuse is not going to be. I mean, come on. No. Syracuse? No. 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 What about Duke? Uh, Duke's always no. tough. But, you know, once again, it's that whole knife to a gunfight thing that people keep bringing up. And oh, Miami no, had the no shot that screwed it up. Hey. Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's yeah. only one lost team, but they still played well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not as much as you would like, but you played well enough. Mm-hmm. And North Carolina's a threat, so. They're a threat because they do have a gun at the gunfight. Now, they won't always shoot it in the right direction, but they've got a gun. I'll say that Clemson, whoever, Clemson, North Carolina, I think will probably end up being the final two. And then most likely Clemson will probably win that game. But North yeah, Carolina sure. has a chance. So, but, um, and Miami, like I said, Miami had their shot and they blew it. So. Yeah, yeah. They blew it. Yeah, Miami, Miami is a it's not that different in some ways from the situation we were just discussing with 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 years uh, of Southern California. And we were talking about the Pac-12, where you've got all these terrific recruiting classes, you've got all this tradition, all this this and all this that, and then somehow the in-game decision-making processes and even sometimes the effort and uh, execution of the players just seems to come up short at the worst possible time. And, of course, obviously, the, the people screaming for the heads of the, you know, the head, the head coach, uh, because it's easier to get rid of the coach than to you know, take away 85 scholarships or whatever. But the, to me, it's not all coaches. Some of them 
especially talking about the dreadful situation. Some of that was definitely coaching. But I see sometimes some undisciplined and, and inexact, like not, if you guys not having great attention to detail when I look sometimes at, and maybe that is coaching too, I'm kind of thinking, but, but some of it seems to be guys don't always seem to understand not just how to finish games, but even playing sometimes. I mean, Yerby does. You know, the other guy does finish play. But some of the guys at Miami just seem, don't seem to know, know how to finish. Like I said, not just games, but even the individual play. You know, here's how you execute this play fully. Block this block fully. You know, I mean, just, it just seems like I see a lack of high-level consistent execution from a lot of players. In well, the I, you know, I also see a lack of focus, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. I mean, yeah. when they went to Cincinnati, they got punched in the mouth, and there's yep. two ways you can deal with that. You can either swing wildly or, you know, or get yourself set, focus in, and, and really focus and get yourself back in. Um, in that game, they decided to swing wildly in whatever right. direction possible. And got hit again. Right. And got hit again. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah. that's what happened there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a young team. It's under. I mean, it's kind of understandable, you know. But at the same time, uh, you don't lose to Cincinnati. So yeah, that was no matter what situation. Um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, it was exactly the kind of loss that gives ammunition to the, the anti-Al Golden factions in the world. And well, I mean, I think, is, I, I think Al Golden's a good coach. I wanted to be fired just so I could see Lane Kiffin be the coach there. <laughs> yes, well, that would so be it's hilarious. More, it's more so a uh, me wanting what I wanted to happen to happen kind of thing. You know? No, I, nothing against you, Al Golden. I just I want to see Kiffin get that job. Well, it could certainly happen. And luckily for Al Golden, you know, he never leaves leave the state, either FAU or FIU or one of the Florida something will probably snap him up pretty much right away. And the guy does a good job of, I mean, one thing he's like clean something up. I mean, they don't have, the knucklehead factor has gone down. It's not gone. It's gone down at Miami from where it was when he got there. But, you know, at some point you got to win. And big, you know. I mean, he wins, but you got to win big. You can't win, you know, eight games, seven games at a place like Miami. They, they're looking for double-digit victories pretty much every year. So that's the only thing. But I, I, like I said, I agree. He's a really good guy and a, a very good coach. But he's got to get over the hump and you know, people are losing patience. So the Big 12 has become something like the Big 10, where people perceive, or many people perceive there's the two top-tier programs and then, you know, a tier below that and then below that Iowa State but and Kansas. But is Montel still with us? Do you still have Montel Hardy? We lose Montel. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, one, uh, 
Is that also how you perceive the Big 12? And if so, of those two programs that most people sort of see as the, so I mean, obviously there's at least probably a third program this year, uh, but pick one and sell me on on one of the programs in the Big 12 and tell me why I should buy. Why? That's a really good question. Um, I really like Baylor. I know TCU is who they are. You know, I, I get it. You know, TCU is great. Uh, you know, they've got <coughs> uh, Josh Dodson, Jacoby Lissom. I mean, they got some receivers who can really stretch the field and move. Dodson had a heck of a week last week. So I, I get it if you like that offense. But Baylor, uh, you know, it, it's, just, it's just funny because I feel like we were having this conversation a year ago, and people were like, you know, like Baylor's going to win or, you know, and, and smoke them. And then next thing you know, they kind of were, or TCU kind of was, and then they blew the lead. So uh, I, I don't know. But uh, you look this year to it, um, I, I'm still a big Baylor fan. I like them a lot. I'm in love with the defensive line. It's uh, Oakman, Blackshear. I think people are sleeping at Andrew Billings and what he's been doing playing the rotation. They've got themselves a – They've got themselves a very solid front. And, uh, you know, offensively, with a plethora of options, uh, Russell has between Sean Linwood, the group of receivers. Uh, I, like, I just like I like the way it shapes up. And, I mean, it's fair to say, you know, they won't do it or they're not very good. Like, I get it. But I think they're great. And I, I wouldn't want to play Baylor right now if I'm, you know, really anybody. <laughs> you know, I just – I don't know how you want to go up against that front approach. I think they're going to lean on Kansas tomorrow, and it's, you know everyone the starters will be out of the game by halftime. And I'm just kind of patiently awaiting uh, November 27th when they travel to uh, you know TCU and play that game. Um, everything well, else in between, it it really is. And I think everything in between is easy money. Um, I don't think Iowa State's going to give them much trouble. Kansas State. Um, Oklahoma will lose before they play them, but uh, they'll also lose. Or, uh, they'll also lose against them. Uh, so uh, I think TCU is going to run the table until they play TCU. Or I'm sorry, I think Baylor's going to lose the table until they beat okay. TCU. You got it. Okay. Same question, Isaiah. Uh, how do you see the Big Twelve and, and pick a team and sell me on? Uh, I'm going to go opposite. Uh, my so I'm going to or not my um, I'm going to go uh, TCU. I like I like how that defense is set up. You know, they're playing really well at the moment. Uh, I like Trevon Boykin. I've been seeing this one for a while. Uh, they have Josh Doxson, a uh, big, tall, wide receiver, you know, stretch the middle of the field. Um, you know, they still got a great running game. Um, you know, they have Tim Miggers on the outside. They have a great offensive line right now. And I just think they're unstoppable at the moment. Okay. Okay. Jim, uh, would you like to go with a third option, or are you looking at one of the, you know, A or B options that we've just heard from for the Big 12? A third option? Or not. I'm just asking. (laughs) (laughs) A third option? Oh. Oh, Yeah. Oklahoma State. You're right. They're ahead of the It was a uh, question. 
Okay, what happens when an unstoppable force meets an unstoppable force? Well, that's dumbing. Well, now it's that's theoretical. <laughs> yeah. I know, that's Baylor TCU, exactly. Um, I, <clears throat> it's tough to really say which team's going to really do what. Um, they've all played well. The defense has played well. The offense has been outstanding. I... Yeah, I'm going to go Baylor. Ah. Uh, uh, I think that... Pressure for QB. <laughs> I think it's going to be one heck of a game. It's going to be exactly as it was last year, back and forth type of effect. But I think that Baylor has some defensive players Mm-hmm. that may make a few plays here and there that could turn the game around um, to the favor of Baylor. But uh, it's it's tough to really say. But they're both teams that are playing well. Um, I just think that Baylor, this is the year, you know. Baylor's been the one most consistently, to quote Steve, uh, they've been the most consistently dominant team all year. I kind of agree with that, with every game they've played. And uh, I think that I just got to stick with them. I think this is the year. Yeah, well, Death Wrestle's been playing outstanding also. They, they have, right. I mean, both both those teams, obviously, that people mentioned have a lot of juice on offense. Baylor has improved at least a little bit on defense. TCU's defense is what worries me. And I know Isaiah said he, he likes where they're set up. When that when they don't have in the four two five, in the the way that that defense works, it's mm-hmm. the the whole point is to create confusion, to take away big plays, and to be able to get pressure from unexpected places. But when it doesn't work one is when you are getting pressure from unexpected or, or expected places. It clear, it's clear this year that they miss Demonte Fields or something like him. Uh, they don't mm-hmm. seem to have a guy who can generate pressure without something being schemed, a guy who can just beat his guy or beat two guys if he has to. They don't seem to have that player right now. Two, they've lost something in terms of football IQ in the back half of their defense. There were guys out of position. I mean, it's the Big 12. You're going to give up some big plays. I get it. But TCU usually was towards the lower end of the getting gashed area of the Big 12, you know, bottom three or whatever, as opposed to top three. They gave, they've given up some massive plays this year. Now, maybe they're rectifying that. Maybe they'll fix it. But if you're about to play Baylor, then you, you better get it fixed sometime between now and now and then. Luckily, they have some time before they actually see uh, Baylor. But the, that's the thing. I mean, I can't even say this, but I'm giving the edge. I'm giving the edge to Baylor on defense. I think the offenses are pretty much a wash. I think Baylor, of all people, is the better defense this year. Uh, I can't remember the last time I said that about Baylor versus TCU. This is probably the first time I've said it in a very long time, certainly, if, if not ever. But the only thing to see is indeed. Uh-huh. I mean, Patterson's a great coach, and maybe he can get that thing fixed. But they've had some struggles thus far. 
Well, let me just play devil's advocate. Uh, I w- who would you trust more to go in a shootout if you're not the defense and playing well? Would you trust Seth Russell a little bit more, or would you trust uh, Trayvon Boykin? And so Ryan, I trust Trayvon Boykin to win the shootout. Based, based on what I've seen, I would trust Seth Russell because he has a put as balls. I'm not going to use the term interceptable. <laughs> he hasn't put as many balls in jeopardy. He's done yeah, a great and he also job. hasn't lost shootouts. Boykin has lost some shootouts. Yeah, it's also true. Well, they have lost this year. And he got shot and he died. That's <laughs> <laughs> one way to put The more accurate passer of the two thus far is Seth Ross. So if that's what you're asking me, I would trust Russ Russell because he's less likely to throw a pick. Uh, he does a really good job of getting the keeping the ball away from the defense in a way that I haven't seen Boykin do at the level I thought he might. I still like Trump, you know, I, I'm still a supporter of his, but he's not tack driver accurate. He's not a sniper out there exactly. You know what I'm saying? He's a he's he's a good quarterback, but is he a guy that is always in the you know top top area in terms of ball placement. No, he's not super accurate, and that's probably the thing I hope he works on the most. Is just consistently putting the ball not just on the receiver but in the right position. You know, so a guy doesn't have to make certain types of adjustments, or that it's easier to keep it away from the defense. But yeah, in a, in a, the other three times he has to play catch is. <clears throat> Both teams that do a really good job running the football, but the better running team right now is Baylor. Aaron Green's a nice running back. I like it. But I give the edge to Shot Wimlin, I give the edge to the offensive line at Baylor over TCU. I think they're the, the team that if they ever had to run the football to finish out a game or to do whatever, if they just had to run the football, I think Baylor would do a better job this year at least than TCU. Now, once again, that's something I would have said in the past. I think I, the deciding factor is Shock Linwood. He will all be, uh, he will cause a lot of matchup problems. I think he'll be the deciding factor, I believe, between the two teams. Yeah, talk I, about I, think, I think the two things that, I mean, to me, it's the line. I think the offensive and defensive lines of Baylor are better. Both the offensive and defensive lines of Baylor are better than the offensive line as a whole, as an aggregate. And that's part of why Luke has the advantage. But plus with you know really powerful explosive running back. But I I just think the defensive line, which has often been the thing that I you know would have given the check mark to TCU in most recent years, I don't think TCU's defensive line is very good this year. From what I've seen, they're below average. And that's going to hurt you against, well, a lot of people, right? right? But especially against a team like Baylor that, you know, is going to put stress on your defense anyway, but you're not getting consistent pressure without blitzing. And sometimes even when they blitz, that's when it scares you. I've seen TCU, even um, when they're blitzing, not be able to get close to the quarterback. That's 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 a recipe for you know getting shoved in the wood chipper. So 
in the AAC, not the ACC, kids, but the AAC. Wait, hold on. Did I, is Montel still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, you're still here. Okay. Um, did you want to sell somebody on somebody in the Big 12 before you move on to the game? If I had to sell someone on what now? Is there somebody you wanted to sell us on in the Big 12? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Andrew Buildings. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mentioned him earlier. Good. That's yeah, a good choice. Uh, yeah, I think he's a great choice. I, you know, he's doing pretty good in rotation. Uh, you know, I looked at some of his tape a couple nights ago, and then yesterday I did a small write-up as a part of my like, article for the week. But um, dude broke Mark Henry's record in terms of uh, just, just power yeah. records in terms of lift, and he went over 2,000 yeah. pounds in lead. So, yeah, he's a, um, he's a superhero, basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and you can see some of the play, out, play itself out on tape. Uh, a guy like Billings, I really want to see him next year when he finally gets to do his thing and to play, like, every single down, I think he's really going to surprise people with how good he is. And I can tell you right now, I don't have any problem just copying and pasting him into my prospect list for next year because he's going to be that good. But, um, yeah, I'll sell you on him because he makes uh, he does the most with, you know, not very much uh, time, in my opinion, in terms of, you know, actually getting to play. Uh, other guys I like, I like Hassan Ridgeway in the Big 12, uh, you know, out of Texas. I think uh, – he really, I think it was the Oklahoma State game, he balled out that game. And I just, uh, you know, I feel so bad because the defense almost held on, you know, and got that win. But, you know, they need just, they didn't even need points. They just needed a few first downs from the offense, and it could have worked out fine. But, you know, I'm going to get off my soapbox. But Hazard is a really good guy who could um, maybe work himself into, like, a one-tech type spot um, or a three because he's, he's quicker, you know, than I thought he'd be in. Um, I mean, based on the, the numbers I've seen height-wise, I don't know if he's a full 6'3", but he's definitely in the 300-pound range, uh, maybe a little lighter than 314, but and I like him a lot. Um, so I, I definitely tell you on those two guys because I don't know if they're as highly appreciated. And I just want to highlight uh, K.J. Dillon because now that Kyle Joseph's out, I imagine Dillon will have, like, the lion's share of center field, you know, and um, – the three three five system they run over there in in, uh, in uh, Morgantown, <laughs> West Virginia. So I imagine that KJ Dillon will get a chance to put out some great tape. Um, he seems like a very good athlete to me, but he's also very light. Um, I'm not convinced he's 200 pounds, but um, I mean he doesn't have to be because of the way he's probably going to be playing from here on out. But I feel like a lot of times. He's keeping his eyes in the backfield too much. He's kind of late on coverage mentally. So I really want to see this guy kind of get out here, patrol, and, and use his athleticism um, not to, like, make up for mental lapses, but to use it along with mental strength, <laughs> you know, and be productive for West Virginia. So I would be really, really interested in seeing K.J. Dillon's tape for the rest of the year. And now that brings us to the ever-popular AAC, which one of those sort of cobbled together by the term Jim uses Frankenstein conferences. Uh, I'll stick with you, Monica. Uh, it's an interesting compilation of teams, but pick one that you think I should be buying into. Who, who team, who's the team? Which team is that? that I well, what conference are we talking about here? The AAC. The All-American 
What could be more embarrassing <laughs> than a comic? Uh, yeah, no, sure. Um, basically, when I look at it, to me, I really like uh, I really like Memphis. Are they uh, in the mix here? Did I get this wrong? Yeah. yeah. So um, I just want to make sure they're in. Yeah, the they're conference. in the mix. <laughs> oh yeah, they're, so, they're yeah, in they're, that yeah. conference. Okay, just want to make sure. Um, yeah, give me give me Memphis, because uh, for a second there I was you know looking at Tulsa, but I was like nah. But yeah, give me Memphis, and you know I just really like hey Paxton Lynch. I mean, the more tape I watch of him, the more I like a lot. Uh, it's, it's some of his uh, you know shortcomings are weird because what you see is his downfield and intermediate accuracy is great. I mean, he's putting it there on the line, um, kind of dropping it in the bucket. And then it's like these 10-yard passes look really hard. These five-yard passes, you know, he's just lasering it over guys. That, you know, so um, those are kind of the areas that I think he needs to improve. And I think that can get better in time. Um, but the velocity he's able to put on the ball is, you know, it, it makes, uh, you know, the the bigger windows or the smaller windows seem bigger. And so, you know, I'm sure he, it seems like he's a little bit more trying at times. But, uh no, he's a really good quarterback. Um, right now, he's probably three for me, either three or four. I'm not really sure. Probably three. Um, and they also have a couple other uh, players. Uh, Taylor Fallins, the tackle. He's, uh, I think he's a three-year starter, second-team All-American Conference. So, uh, yeah, I really like, uh, you know, the team they have here. And, and then just the type of, uh, you know, season they're putting together so far is everyone's hot and – uh, very importantly, it's, uh, it doesn't really seem like uh, Paxton has turned the ball over a whole lot, and they've also got a lot of other players that you know that matter and that are good too. And uh, I think Tulsa's Tulsa's okay though. Uh, I look out for them. I think that they're a team that uh, at least on offense looks really good, and they also have you know defensively. I look at some tape of their secondary. Uh, they have a guy named Michael Mudo who, you know, if we're going to talk about weight. He might be a 240-pound safe. I mean, he looks really big on tape, um, but uh, they're, uh, you know, they got off to kind of a slow start, you know, because they lost to Oklahoma and Houston. But I, I think they'll rebound, and then I think when they do, um, it'll be pretty big. But um, I, I would look for Memphis and Tulsa to be the two most impactful teams in that conference, and I'm most interested in when they actually play each other um, in about two weeks from tomorrow. So, yeah. Same question to you, Isaiah. Uh, pick a team in the A and sell me on them. Do we still have Isaiah or do we lose him? Going once. Going twice. Okay. James Coburn. Um, Houston, actually. Ah, okay. Refreshing. Um, I like, I mean, I like Greg Ward. I think he's playing really well at quarterback for there. Um, <clears throat> I like their defense, too. Their defense played exceptionally well this year. Memphis, Houston, I think are going to be the big, like, teams to, like, do stuff. So, as much as I like Paxton Lynch, and he's apparently a first-round pick now, according to Mel Kuyper, uh, I still think that Houston is – I just think that they offensively 
can match with Memphis well, and I think defensively they can match well too. And I just think that that team can just do a little bit better. I think Memphis going into that game might be a little too overconfident, possibly. And Houston gets the W, and then they take that all the way to the uh, to the championship game for the AAC, or well, to winning the AAC. So. Um, oh, okay. But um, I do like Memphis. I do like Paxton Lynch. I don't think Paxton Lynch is a first rounder, but apparently nobody likes golf, so we have to go with the next <laughs> best thing, which is the big tall white guy. And Chris Hackenberg took himself out of the mix. So we got to go with Paxton Lynch. Because everybody huh. likes the big tall white guy. You know, he is tall. Lynch. I've heard first round talk with him too. So apparently that's well, well, Lynch isn't your typical big tall white dude. I mean, he's no Sean Mannion. I mean, oh, you know, so that's he's, the he's not. Oh, he's not. He's 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 mobile, so that makes him better than all these other. You know? Oh, he's mobile. He doesn't turn the ball over as much. I mean, he's just better, dude. Like I don't know. Look, I'm not trying to say like this dude is like the holy grail of quarterbacks or anything, but in this class, he's going to fit well towards that kind of middle group. Uh, probably a nice second, third round pickup, and well, I don't no, first see why not? Because Charman, he went what round three, right? Yep. So a lot of. First round pick. Yeah. So to me, he's better than Mannion. And and in terms of, I mean, if you look at the numbers, he's probably going to be more, well, probably just about as accurate, right. but he's turned the ball but, over. But that's, that's the point, though, Montel. He's better than Mannion. And because of that, he ends up in the first round, even though he probably should end up where Mannion was. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So because he doesn't suck, basically, he's getting he's getting a lot of. I I feel you. I'm I'm actually in agreement. Big tall white guy put Manning in the second round in the third, you know, in the day two area. Big tall white guy that's actually not bad puts him in the first. (laughs) True. This is true. This is true, James. And I know Bill's a big Texan Lynch fan, and he could talk all about. I I, I'm a fan of of which I think is suspect. (laughs) And the uh, accuracy, which is inconsistent, but his accuracy, I w- his accuracy, like so many super players, can come and go because his mechanics are not always 100% repeatable. Just like tall pitchers in baseball, you know, even super tall basketball players, there's a reason that if you look at guys like Will Chamberlain and Shaquille O'Neal and their career, and even Tim Duncan, their career numbers. You know, free throw shooting don't tend to be great. The more long, you know, we like long levers, we like long lifts, we like long whatever, but the more of that stuff there is to control, the more stuff can go wrong in your motions. So still considering, you know, I guess people sort of woke up to him this year. I've been talking about him for a while, and now they all seem to be uh, jumping on. Now, I agree, he's a guy that probably to be brought along and, and, you know, sit, watch, learn, things like that. Oh, they're not just jumping on. They're, like, it's more than, it's like lifeboat, ship going down, everybody on the Paxton Lynch boat, now, that, <laughs> that, 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 
This is true. Well, the, welcome, leave the women and the children US. away. Leave them. Leave the women and children on the dock. Men must survive. Save yourself. Save yourself. Run from the Jared Goff and his spready offense. And his, <laughs> did you know he's skinny? Can I remind you how skinny he looks? Well, luckily there is room for all on the USS uh, Lynch, but. Yeah, I, I agree that he's a guy that has some things to work on. But I do like his approach to playing this. I like his component. And I think that somebody's going to, if they do give him a chance, you know, somebody, especially if they bring him along after a couple of years, they have a chance to get something special out of him. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with that. I don't know. I just, I just see these mock traps, man. That's the only thing. People do them. And that, no offense. I mean, I'm, you, know, you want to do a mock trap, that's fine. You know, I just think it's a little early to you know, do. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a little early for that because we don't know as far anything as the, about it is the season. It is the season to do it, you know. I guess, I guess it's like yeah. seasonal. This is the time to release it, so. There you go. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, I I like Houston. I think Houston's gonna do it. I think Memphis. I think that particular that's gonna be the cool thing is, you know, Memphis could prove me wrong, literally, with them playing each other. But I think that Houston just has a little bit. I just I, don't know, I like Greg Ward a little bit more, and I think the defense is a little bit better. Okay, fair enough. So, I assume Isaiah's still... Yeah, okay. Uh, Montel. Agree? Disagree? Uh, would you care to make a different pitch in terms of a sale? Oh, like in terms of like someone you want to play here in this conference? Um, or a team, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, let me see. We're in the AAC. Um, okay. Well, look, people people know a, a lot about. Uh, let me make sure I don't get the names mixed up. People know a lot about uh, Kiara Zierit, but I also like Kevon Lucas, and I think it's time that people realize that he was the guy that's actually on the Blitz in the Car for watch list. So. Um, you know, he's Michael Jackson and and Kiaris is Tito. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, but no, yeah, just or, or, or as or as I I tend to put it, he's Antonio Brown and Kiaris Jared is Martavis Bryant. Yeah, see, there you go. Um, but yeah, no, like I like Kevon because he's you know I've seen some of the you know dude is tough as nails. I think his lower body is like pretty powerful. At least it seems that he generates a decent amount of force down there because sometimes it takes two or three people to bring down this five ten, maybe two hundred pound dude. So, um, yeah, he's he's pretty strong and he's quick in some areas. He's got a nice reliable set of hands. He's hauled in over a hundred balls last year. I think he's on pace to do it again this year. Um gets fed pretty well in that offense. So people, you know, need to know about this dude now. I think he can come in and be kind of like a slot type guy for some of these uh you know, teams and, and maybe more. But uh just, just got to shout that guy out. He's really good. 
Okay. So another very patriotic conference, of course, is Conference USA. So I'll stick with is Donovan still with us? We lost Donovan, didn't we? Yeah, Donovan's gone. Okay. So yeah, I'll stick with, yeah, he is long gone. So I'll stick with you, Montel. Give me a team and or a player that I should buy into in Conference USA that maybe you know, maybe I might not have you know gotten the brochure in the mail or I might have missed the PowerPoint. So give me a presentation. Give me who's the guy I should buy or the team. Did we lose Montel also? Montel. Oh, no, no, I'm I'm here. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, oh that's it. Okay. You know, I was here looking at this team, and I, uh, yeah, I just don't really have a ton of love for really any of these guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'll throw Western Kentucky in there because it's the easy call, but I'm just going to take it. Uh, a guy, <sighs> um, well, I can't really toss you a guy, but, I'll just throw Western Kentucky in here, and I'll just say if one one right now, uh, and they've done a fair job against their conference guys. Um, you know, beat them all pretty soundly, I think, with the exception of uh, was it Louisiana Tech? One of them took them pretty down to the wire, but everyone else can't get within um, twenty of these guys. And for the record, they may have the best CUSA win here because they beat Vanderbilt, which is the SEC team. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Almost beat Indy, but lost by three. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are buying the Noah Spence love. And, I mean, you know, I, I get it. I mean, I've seen some of the tape, people referencing the Valparaiso tape a lot. And, um, Valparaiso has no business playing West Kentucky. That's not a school that's, uh, no, <laughs> they just don't. So, you know, some things happen and, you know, they got to be pretty soundly. But, um I, I guess, you know, if people are buying the hype, you know, now I think it's the time to watch the games because they're getting to the heart of their schedule. Um, they crushed White Race last week, and they'll get a chance to uh, play LSU, I think, by the end of the month. And, uh, you know, LSU will probably win. But, you know, any player that wants to show up and make some money can uh, promptly arrive to that game, <laughs> you know. So, um, but yeah, West Kentucky to me is probably the best team in the conference. Okay. Jim, uh, is there truth in what you've heard? Uh, would you like to agree, disagree, or perhaps, like I said, go with a different option? Let me think. Um, just like myself, I haven't seen a bunch of these teams. I've seen a little bit of Louisiana Tech. I've seen a little bit of Western Kentucky. Um, I've seen a lot of Charlotte, actually. Just really? 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 Yeah, well, okay. they're the Charlotte... This is the thing, Montel. They're called the Charlotte 49ers. And they're not, they're not in California. No, I'm, I'm serious. Oh, not okay. in California. And they're, they have pickaxes, like a gold rush type of ah. thing to their team. And yet the gold rush that was in Carolina was not in 1849. It was actually in 1832. 
So they should be the third thirty tours. Is that where this is going? <laughs> oh, I guess what I'm trying to say is they 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 picked the wrong mascot. Oh, easily. Um, um, that's a, I, I legit thought you were joking. The Charlotte Panthers, Swamp Cougars. Charlotte Cougars still, actually sounds very smooth. I know, I know. I, I'm surprised nobody has done the Swamp Cougars. I mean, is there anything wrong with the Swamp Cougars as a mascot? I mean, is it offensive to Cougars? Is that the problem? The Swamp part of it is offensive to them? No. They can't mm. talk to Cougars. So, uh, I, 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 I Western Kentucky, I think, is definitely the team I would take. It's tough, but, I mean, their quarterback's been balling out. Dowdy, um, he's been throwing it all over the place, and their defense has showed up um, in different mm-hmm. places. And Noah Spence, just a reminder, he's at Eastern Kentucky, not Western Kentucky. Ah, Eastern, okay. Eastern okay, my Kentucky. Because I was looking at his and I was like, they didn't yeah. play Valparaiso, though, but I see Table come at Valparaiso. Yeah, okay, that makes sense now. Right, 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 right. But he's at Eastern Kentucky, and that's where you hear all the, you know, he's a, he is a FBS athlete in an FCS world. Great. Great. Perfect. Perfect. And yeah. Now I understand what they're playing Valparaiso. Got it. Yeah. Is Bill still alive? I am very much still alive, yes. Okay. Just check. I'm trying to – there seems to be a bit of an imbalance in terms of offense defense, and I guess I should be used to it. Uh, but some of these programs that we've mentioned have defensive players. Um, Conference USA obviously contains Marshall. Marshall has one of their wide receivers from last year in the NFL with New England ball places, but – I think, in addition to some of the teams that we mentioned, Marshall might find a way to steal a few victories and might find its way to uh, wherever it is uh, they actually decide to come over to a state championship. Uh, I, I just wouldn't be surprised if they found a way to hang around, though they're, they're not ludicrously talented by stress the imagination. That's all it's going to Say regarding them, and then also regarding Marshall, if you haven't already seen Devin Johnson, former tight end turned running back, he's he's kind of fun too. Mhm, mhm. Uh, uh, I guess the independence. Um, <laughs> I guess they they sort oh, of. Oh well, uh, again, remember. Notre Dame is the secret AAC conference. Yeah, secret member of the ACC. The super they got a bargain of a deal, man. They said, "Hey, let me join your conference." But I don't feel like playing all your conference games, so just give me half the normal workload and <laughs> allow me to play for your title. And I don't want to be listed and... on your AAC either. All those bums. So, you know, I don't want to be listed with you guys either. I want to be by myself. Exactly, which is, I mean, you want to talk about a great deal. (laughs) Wow. Hmm. Wow. Because we're Notre Dame. You want to play us. We don't necessarily want to play you. 
That's yeah. That's basically what it is. Is you know, you guys got a fold for us, and you know, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna the get money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the independence, I mean, Notre Dame pretty much messed up their chance. So, uh, true. <laughs> they should have beat Clemson. If they went undefeated, they probably would have get a chance at the national championship. They didn't do that. I feel really bad about Malik Zaire going down because he was really good and he's gone. So there you go. I think this will go to a bowl game, but I, I don't know what else. BYU is BYU. So they'll they'll probably ruin somebody's day down the line, but not much. And Army is, and I, I hate to say this, Bill, but, again, you're not Air Force and you're not Navy. So Army's just, they're having a typical Army kind of year, you know. Are you there? Yes. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of anything else. Well, I mean, we obviously talked about Notre Dame a little bit. I'm trying to think of anything else or anyone else. Oh, I'll give you one other person not to forget. It's Brandon Dowdy, obviously, at Western Kentucky. Uh, He's a guy that might be that quick-footed or quick-enough-footed guy who, who, if he gets a chance, may grow up and thrive one day. But I worry about some of these guys. They haven't done so many of the things they'll be asked to do. And if they don't start catching up to certain things very quickly, they won't even, like I said, you know, they won't even make it to, you know, 75 men on the roster or what have you. So let's see something. Sounds like most of the sales that took place, with a couple of exceptions, um, tended to be chalky, you know, chalkish. Uh, we didn't have too many upset specials, so I think Donovan for throwing one out there. Uh, we seem to have a lot of people sort of figuring, okay, now we know who the good teams are. We we have a, I guess, like I said, we have a better sense through sample size of, you know, who is and who isn't. And then I guess people are, are mostly going with with the chalk, going with the uh, the favorites, it seems. Oh, any uh, Montel? Any independents that uh, players who plays for independents that we you think might not have been mentioned that deserve mentioning? Uh, no, I think James covered them all. Like I said before, now that uh, technically. You're not counting Notre Dame in the mix. I mean, you know. Well, I I do. Oh, you do. Okay. <laughs> um, well, sure. Um, you know, I'm sure you know Sheldon Day, Jalen Smith. These guys are really good. Uh, Jalen Smith, especially. I mean, you talk about, you know, how this class could shake out. He could go, and you don't see linebackers do this, but you can. He'll, he'll probably go to top ten, and possibly. I mean, he might not go, but I would be shocked if people didn't consider him among the three to five best players in the draft. And I can say it now because it's, um, he, he's that good. I mean, to be able to break down the way he does in the open field. So he, he's great at one-on-one tackling. Uh, he can he can cover. You can see where the ball's going and hit. He closes extremely quickly, very fast. He's powerful enough. He's intelligent. Uh, he's got 
a lot of what you want, uh, really everything. Um, like I said before, I you know I want to see you know his numbers come in combine and all that, but if all that checks off, which I doubt it won't, um, to me he'll be among the three best players in the draft, uh, and probably, then definitely the top five, and he'll probably go top ten because some people don't want a linebacker, some people don't want to accept the fact that they have to take one that high or just take one period. Uh, so yeah, he'll, he'll be worth it for somebody. Um, uh, Sheldon Day, too. Um, for a guy his size, I see him able to kind of like uh, kind of like play his position well in terms of getting out there and kind of turning. Like his change of direction is really better than I thought it'd be for someone like that big. Uh, so you can turn and strike and, and do some of those things. He's a pretty agile big guy. And so I like him, too. Hello? Yeah? Ah, okay. Well, I have James. <laughs> True. You do. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. What's up? Well, me and you, James, I mean, what do you think about Jalen Smith? I mean, is this guy one of the top three players in the draft, possibly? Top five? Well, he is based on my grading. Um, he, <laughs> oh, yeah. Good. I mean, people don't like pursuit linebackers, but whatever, they make plays. I think that he's really good because he's such a hybrid type of guy. Um, he solo tackles, like you said, exceptionally well. Um, an open field, can cover guys. He's basically a safety, you know, but mm. but not in a bad way in that he could play safety. And I say that only because I've seen him with the spatial intelligence, oh, I guess, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, awareness to be able to put himself in the position to make plays at any spot of the football field, mm. um, which is something you, I don't usually see from it's basically safety level awareness to angles and stuff. So, but it's not that he's going to be in safety this level. He's definitely going to be a you know like a run and chase ball linebacker. But um, but I mean he's everything you want at the position. Um, I think mm-hmm. he probably. I mean I just wanted to test well in terms of a speed, dynamic speed yeah. athlete, which I think he will. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that's done, that's it. I wouldn't mind taking him in the top five because, I mean, he's the top, one of the five best players in the draft. So. And so I agree. I agree. Do you think, I mean, I see him 4-3 Will type guy, but if he, if you're a 3-4 team, I mean, where do you where do you play him? That's the awkwardness I'm, I'm looking at right now. Well, there's not a ton of traditional 3-4 teams anymore. So, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. we can do, like, 4-3 under type stuff, which is sort of flirting with 3-4 concepts in a way, but you're not really 3-4. So, um, I don't think that's really, really the biggest deal. And he sheds well. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. it take, sometimes it takes him a little bit of time, yeah. which is only – that's the only real criticism of him. Is he shed? It just takes a little bit of time for him to shed, but 
he does get off that tackle. It's just that um, sometimes when a tackle actually or guard squares him up really well, it takes just a little bit uh, enough time, if you will, that a running back at the next level could get upfield and then he has to chase it from behind. But I do think he has enough speed to possibly chase that running back from behind. But uh, it's just something where uh, I think as a 3-4 a system, I think he could survive. It's just that he would be a much better fit in a 4-3 sort of system. You know, plus 3-4, 4-3, they're kind of blurring at this point. You know? Yeah, and what you're seeing is, you know, because of nickel, it's kind of like, really, you're getting a nickel linebacker, <laughs> you know, if you're getting the guy who's going to be yeah. there for half the game. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Man, man, oh, man. Um, anybody else you guys want to touch on that we might not have touched on? Uh, Jim? Anybody we missed? You want to, uh, a team or a player you want to sell me on that we didn't uh, have a chance to have bought or sold? I'll sell you on a guy who's gotten a lot of buzz, deserved it so, is Joe Schubert or Schobert at Wisconsin. Joe Schobert. Yep. Ah, yes. Yeah, Schobert. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a dessert, by the way. And that's what it's tasting. <laughs> delicious. Delicious dessert of pass rushy goodness. Um, guys, I mean, when I saw his tape, and I know this is going to be like, oh, you're crazy, but I saw a kind of white trail thug, what I saw. Um, I thought I was crazy. I went back and watched trail thugs at Arizona State. I'm like, nope, that's the guy. Um, <laughs> you know, just in terms of uh, his ability to hand usage, uh, disengages from blocks exceptionally well, powerful yep. with his yep. hands, uh, yep. has good speed and fluidity, uh, which is something, just that combination of fluid speed, as I like to call it, that mm-hmm. he gets the quarterback that well. Um, had, even in the Alabama game, you know, had the sort of excuse me, pardon me type of stack. A lot of that is because of that fluid speed. You know, being able to Running the guy, powerful hands, get off that guy, get to the quarterback. Um, not be knocked over, deterred. Not be knocked over, way. not be pushed around, <laughs> not be made mm-hmm. out to be a punk. Uh, he's mm-hmm. not that type of guy. He's tough. Uh, he's, to me, right now on my board, he's his top five pick, and he's the second Oof. best pass rusher to me. Oof. Well, the production is going to be wild. But it's going to be what he's it's already the only the, guy. He already, leads the, he already leads the nation in sacks right now. So his exactly. production is going to be wild by the end of the year if he continues at this rate. And so it'll demand, I think, first round um, consideration. I'm still not sure if he's as quick. That, that's my thing. I think he's powerful. He uses his hands great. And I don't think he has to be quick. He just, you know, I mean. Well, again, he's not average. very explosive. Okay, I'll give you that. But what I'm saying is the way he wins, there's different types of pass rushers, which is something that I, I mean, again, that's why I'm a metrics guy. There's explosive Mm -hmm. pass rushers. There's fast, fluid pass rushers. There's guys that are just powerful, you know, type Dupree-like pass rushers that just try to bull rush guys into the quarterback, but they don't really have any other sense of their game. 
he's a speed fluid type of type of guy. Where okay. he's not explosive, but when you look at his hips and you look at his feet and you look at just his ability to out leverage people because of that fluidity, because of that bend, if you will, that sexy bend. Uh, that's where that works really well because when he's working up against offensive tackles or whatever, um, tight ends, you name it, uh, sure, he's not going to be exploding into them, but he's outmaneuvering them to the quarterback. Uh, He's outturning them, and that's sort of where he's special in that way. I still have both as a top pass rusher. Because we watch Bosa, I'm like watching Animal Planet, you know. I'm like watching, and look, enjoy Bosa <laughs> going to tech. <laughs> it's, it's that level of like, you know, like even with Clowney, it's that level of like this is a very big man that's going and doing things with his body that you don't see very often. It's like watching something, you know, primal about it. Um, it's yeah, it's violent. It, it gets violent, just like Animal Planet. You know, like exactly. comes a time where they meet the prey, and you know, it's pretty pretty gross. Exactly. So both are still my top pass rusher, but um, I do agree. Again, I do agree he's not very explosive, but I don't really think that that's because again, uh, it's the way he wins. He wins with a particular skill set. When the combine rolls around. If he tests yep. the way that I think he's going to test, which is he's not really going to be – he's not going to have like a 38 vertical or 41-inch vertical or stuff like that. But I think he's going to be relatively fast, 4.65, 4.7, and I think he'll probably have really good short shell three coming. If he hits those three areas with what he's doing on the field, with that delicious Sherbert, sort of Joe Sherbert, as I, I'll just call him for the rest of the the year, uh, type of pass rushing ability. Uh, he's the second best pass rusher to me. Um, forget about Oba. Forget about whoever else you got. That's the guy. That's the business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just me, though, of course. So. No, you're right. People can and wait. I, I people it. can wait. Yeah. You know, people can... You know, people can wait and go, eh, you know, I don't know. He's just not kind of, you know. Well, yeah, that's what people expect to see from first rounder. But you're completely right. It's kind of like at the end of the day, results are what matter. So as long as you are who you are, you just have to win that way. You see what I'm saying? So I get what you're saying. He has a different way he wins. But if he can be just as efficient as a guy who, you know, can test like, like Bud Dupree did last year, then he's probably better than him, right? So I hear you. Exactly. Exactly. And Bill remembers. Remember when Terrell Suggs went to the Combine and everybody freaked out over his testing numbers? And they're like, yeah. yeah, they were mm-hmm. like, oh, he's too slow. His his vertical. Look at his vertical. Oh. Remember all that stuff? Who's laughing now? That, that's all I got to say. I, you know, I think I mean, definitely I want to see certain things during testing, but the guy doesn't have to test like Vic Beasley. He just has to test. Like, the pass rusher I think he is, which is a fluid speed rusher with powerful hands, and then that's it, you know. And it's a great story, too. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't really an edge rusher 100% until 
couple years ago, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he was kind of working his way into the position. And then Even last now, all of a sudden, year, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now it just all clicked, and here you go. Incredible. Yeah, incredible. I'm buying it. I'm buying that. Oh, building. Oh, there you yeah. go. Yep, very much so. I was just going to say is there anybody, any teams that I missed on, any players that I missed on? Mm, no. Well, I will throw a couple of guys that I think people have managed to overlook. Uh, the Southland Conference, of course, is FCS football. But as the often South, is the, the case, yeah, yeah. the Southland Conference, but as often is the case, there are oh. a good number of decent number of FCS teams that in some cases have beaten and I believe given the chance would beat FBS teams. Um, everyone's pretty familiar with, you know, uh, South Dakota State and, you know, a few other, or some people are, uh, because the some of the Missouri Valley Conference teams not only play but beat uh, Iowa State and some other uh, uh, FCS teams when they, when they play them. But I think in terms of just top-to-bottom talent, that's evenly or close to evenly distributed. I don't want to say evenly, but pretty evenly distributed all the way across the conference. Look at the Southland Conference. There are a good number of NFL-type guys in that conference, and they've got defensive backs. They've got always quarterbacks and receivers. We've got running backs, a plenty uh, in the conference. I think the difference this year from some other years is they actually have some offensive and defensive line talent that has a shot as well. Uh, I would watch out for a couple of D-backs at Lamar uh, that can, I mean, you have to cover in the South End. The South End is basically like the baby Big 12. The ball is just, you know, all over the place. And, you know, you're just trying to survive <laughs> the deep at the back. But the kids at Lamar, the two guys at Lamar, uh, the two corners at Lamar really showed me something in the Sam Houston State game where they got attacked and attacked, you know, deep quite a bit, and they held up very well, very impressive. Sam Houston State itself, once again, has talent. I wish they would go ahead and stop experimenting with the two. I mean, I'm not a fan of the two quarterback thing. Uh, I think they need to go ahead and, and just, you know, hand the ball to whoever they think the guy is and let him go do his thing. Um, sticking with FCS, both uh, Jim and I have had a chance a little bit to talk about one of the better comp- – not better conferences, but the better uh, one of the better players – in, in all of FCS, and he's in in my neck of the woods. Not my neck of the woods, where I live now, but where I sort of play my ball in the MEAC. And uh, this is Javon Hargrave at South Carolina State mm. University. Yep. He's yep. 
he plays a lot of nose shades now, but, you know, he's sort of a major order three technique. Uh, Jeff Coburn, you've obviously looked at him a little bit. What are some of the things you see him do and what are some things you think he might still need to work on? But, you know, what, what do you think gives him a chance to make the jump, as they say? Um, well, I mean, he's a tough guy. Um, I think the first time I saw him, it was funny because I was watching the Joy Porter of the MEAC play, which you don't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Just watch South Carolina State uh, last year and the year before that. Um, doing his best doing for the temperature. But Hargrave, I, I think he's just a very uh, quick, you know, uh, player for his size. Um, I do agree that the nose kind of shape position is kind of a little weird. And he's more so, his body type's more conducive to more of a three-tech, uh, 4-3 type of game, but um, I just like him because I, I think overall, I think he's I think he's pretty powerful for his size, um, quick for his size. The one thing I want to see him improve on is just his hand usage. Um, yeah. Getting a lot better with his hands. Uh, and probably playing a little bit better against other competitions. He's kind of, he's had chances to like do uh, adequate you know, during games that were not against the MEAC, against sort of bigger conference teams, and uh, didn't really hold his own 100%. You know, some of that was hand usage, um, but it's just something where I was watching uh, him go up against, I don't know if it was North Carolina or some other team, but he was going up against a few teams where I was a little disappointed, but he's been been very productive in the MEAC. And I think that there's stuff that's there to develop. Um, I just don't think that he's kind of a made-to-order kind of starter guy. I think he's got going to probably take a little bit of time to develop some things in him. But I do think he has NFL athleticism, NFL talent. Um, I just think the hand usage, if that improves, then I think three-tech would definitely be the best situation, best bet for him going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I- Mm-hmm. I would like to see I'd like to see him in a place like Minnesota where they he isn't he doesn't have to, you know, step in and play right away and where they have guys who know how to you know, they have good coaching. So I think he would grow and improve pretty quickly, in fact, I believe there. At least that's yep. what I think. <laughs> yep. Yep, you're right. And um, another guy in that conference is pretty good. I really like uh, Joshua Thorne out of Hampton. Yeah, 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 yeah. I man. Well, first off, like last year to this year, I just seen kind of like some slight improvements like to his game. Uh, I think when people like measure him up, he might be a little shorter than. I mean, some people have him as like six two, six three. He might be six feet even, but uh, he's oh, he's not. He's legit six. No, 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 no. no, no. I mean, I'm just saying that no, he's nowhere close to six two or six three. Oh, okay, yeah, because I saw him listed there, but I'd say he's like six foot, like six one, 
And, no, he can chase. He can tackle. He's very productive last year. He's quick. Uh, he calls as well. Um, I kind of like him. Um, I would take a guy like that, and I'd actually move him. Like, if I ran a 3-4, I'd move him inside and see what he can do. And, uh, but, yeah, no, I, I think he's really talented. And somebody, uh, you know, somebody might see this guy and say, hey, come out to this uh, end-of-the-year bowl game. And, yeah, I don't know. Maybe things go up after that. <laughs> but I like him a lot. Um... Yeah, that's it for our swag players. I mean, I got a few, but, uh, you know, it's like a different tier of guys after that. Um, I think next year Marquis Smith would be a thing, but he's a junior now. I don't think he's coming out. Yeah, no, probably not coming out. But, yeah, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you one other guy that, I try to stay away from comparing people to guys who I think are are truly, truly rare because it's, it's not fair, first of all. Uh, it's misleading and things like that. Sometimes we hear people compare, you know, a small, quick, you know, white running back to Danny Woodhead or a small, quick, white slot receiver to Wes Walker or whatever. And it's, like I said, it's, a little bit later than you, and it's usually not helpful because it, you know, because you don't know, mind. you don't even understand how Wes Walker got to be Wes Walker in the first place. Because it, in uh, a way that, like, I don't think most people. I'm trying to figure that out. You know what I mean? Like, if you think it's just as easy as finding a short white guy that plays slot receiver, <laughs> there's <laughs> millions of them. <laughs> So when people say Wes Walker type, you're kind of like throwing, you're like, uh, Wes Walker type. It's like, do you even know how Wes Walker became a type? That's that's the question. I don't even know how to answer that question because, and that's the thing, is that's what I'm trying to figure out. They don't know that answer. They think they know that answer. All they know is short white guy. That's all they got. That's all I got. So, like, but that yeah. doesn't mean that that guy's going to be Wes Walker because there's tons of short white guys. That doesn't mean he's going to be Wes Walker. Yeah, if that were all it was to it, the world would be a very different place. Yeah. be a lot simpler. Yeah. i say that much. <laughs> true. So true. But I'm with Jim. That definitely has a high strikeout rate, you know, doing those types of things. But uh, a guy who I think is definitely worth, if you haven't had a chance to check him out, Lamar has a a small, powerful running back who some people think projects a slot receiver, who also is a terrific uh, return guy. And like I said, I'm not going to compare him to Woodhead. I'm not going to compare him to Welker. But I'm going to say he's Watch him. He's a guy you need to watch if you haven't already done so. Uh, first of all, strong. I mean, that's the other thing when people talk about Welker. Some people underestimate. I mean, he's super strong. Um, he's a guy that still holds some weight room records for his position at uh, at Texas Tech. Pound for pound, one of the stronger guys in um, 
in the league still now, um, you know, when he's healthy. Now, obviously, he's, you know, knocked around a little bit, <laughs> but uh, which is part of, you know, your – so that occupational hazard when you're small and white and you play slot receiver. But the um, – or any place else, but the – if you haven't – had a chance to check out Cade Harrington. He's a, uh, I think he's a, he might be a redshirt junior. He might, might be a true, true junior even. But he's probably about five foot eight, probably about 192 pounds, somewhere right, right around there. And catches the ball well, extremely strong, uh, explosive, quick, um, you know, a guy who can return in the, you know, as a kick or punt returner. Uh, a guy who's going to rush for probably well over 1,000 yards and probably have six or 700 yards in receptions this year and had 740 yards uh, rushing last year and 221 yards in receptions last year in more of a timeshare situation. Now it's clearly he's he's the guy. This He's clearly the guy. At Lamar's running game, and he's like I said, give him, check him out, check him out. He is the great short area uh, quickness, like I said, power, uh, change of direction, all that fun stuff, you know. And try to, you know, try not to get obsessed with the fact that he's white. Um, he's really, really good athlete. Uh, one of my favorite guys to watch. I've, I've watched two Lamar games. Um, I watched the Sam Houston game and also, obviously, you know, the game against Baylor because you want to see guys, quote, unquote, play up. He had – he was he gave the guys at Baylor trouble. Uh, he's He could play at whatever level. So, you know, unlikely to come out this year, but he's on my radar, for obviously, for next year. And a guy who's on my own underappreciated uh, team and hopefully isn't on it next year. Hopefully people will appreciate him to the point where he won't qualify next year. No, but, no uh, they won't. Oh, well, I'm all right then. <laughs> Pretty sure. Has that ever happened? Like, that's the real question. Has there ever been an underappreciated player that you put on the list that became appreciated? Paxton Lynch is working his way off. That's true. That's 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 the thing. But I'll say non FBS level. Oh yeah, no, it's less. It happens less likely. It's less likely to happen, yeah. right? That level bit. Yeah. I mean, Paxton right. turned into a first round pick, you know. But you, uh, the other guy, I don't know if he'll get appreciated. It's less likely to happen for Kate Harrington. You're right. There's less likely to be a Kate Harrington movement. <laughs> Like there has been for, Especially um, since the Wes Welker type has been put on to the other guy at North Carolina. <laughs> you know, in terms of that, you know, comparison. But, um. Right. Agreed. Well, first of all, gentlemen, I want to thank you. I want to uh, also mention uh, Isaiah and Donovan, wherever they are. Thank you for your contributions as well. Uh, Montel, tell people what you're up to, where they can find and follow your work, and the like. Of course, of course. Uh, I do the Draft Central podcast every Wednesday night with Josh. We do um, we do we do the Periscope uh, stream like while we tape it, and then Ooh. usually the podcast is the next day. For the ladies, um, yeah, all yeah, right. It's, 
It's awesome, by the way. I suggest all you guys get on Periscope. It'll be like a party. Um, but, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Montel NFL. That's capital M-O-N-T-E-L. Um, well, actually, that part is not really capitalized except the M. And then capital NFL part is all caps. But uh, you can find uh, recently I have my scouting focus up. I do this on a weekly basis uh, for NGSE. Uh, you know, we go through all prospects from my actual, like, areas of specialization is Big Ten, Big 12, and American Conference football, uh, well, FBS-wise, and then I have a slew of other conferences. Uh, but for the FBS portion, uh, we do the scouting focus, so that was already up. It went up early today. And, um, you know, I just kind of picked a couple players from each conference that I expect to show up and be pretty good. Uh, Joe Schobert is on the list, so I know James will be mm-hmm. thrilled. And, uh, yeah, that's really it, guys. Uh, just check out the work. Just go to ngscsports.com, click on the Draft Central tab, which has also recently been redone. So, new look. Cool. Cool. Okay. Uh, same question, Jim. Tell people, please, what, what you're up to, what you're doing, where they can find it, all that good stuff. Sure. I've been doing uh, just doing regular scouting stuff, watching tape, watching film. I'm going to be writing for Fan Sighted on the Chicago Ooh. Bears. Oh boy! For a little bit. Um, see how it see how it goes. Uh, hopefully, you know I don't get too much hate off from Montel. Um, oh yeah, I'll be uh, in your inbox, James. I will. <laughs> I will be in your inbox with. Uh, with my suggestions for the team, and you'd be like, you're not even from Chicago. That would probably be the last thing I bring up in argument, but I, I trust it on it. I think, but warning, Chicago's home to a lot of meatballs that don't understand. So, um, you know, while no, I can't help you with I mean, intelligence. I like the comments. I mean, okay, I, I'm, I'm ready for the okay. comments. I honestly want to go for the comments. The comments are always the best part of it. I mean, if you want to see some originality, you know, don't just do the, did you even watch the game or uh, do you flip burgers in your mom's basement? You know, oh, flipping like, burgers in mom's yeah. basement. I do love flipping oh, burgers right. in mom's basement. Yeah. Were, uh, and then I go, so I have a restaurant in my mother's basement. <laughs> okay. um, I don't know. I just, Somebody was like, hey, what was your right for your side? You know. All right, I'll try it out. Do it, dude. And it's the Bears. And the Bears are a bad team. And that's what I'm kind of good about writing about. So um, <laughs> I got lots of experience in my Oakland fans. So uh, <laughs> I'll be doing uh, probably week preview type stuff, but more so metric matchups. Because that was the one thing I really want to do this season, uh, which I didn't get a chance to do. Um, and I was going to play around with that, um, which was each week have metric matchups. So offensive tackle versus a particular edge rusher or wide receiver versus cornerback or whatever, stuff like that. Um, and also do my own grading system, which I I don't know if I want to call it JFS, Jim's, Jim's football focus, but something to that effect <laughs> where I give points for things that actually matter to winning football games, guys, like, you know, touchdowns and... I don't think anyone's ever done that before. Um, yeah, the I know. Q, the Coburn football quotient or whatever, you know. But... 
I know. Yeah, you know, like, and and how much do turnovers really matter in wins or losses? Well, here's a guy who actually knows the statistical significance of each turnover. So you'll get to see some of that stuff possibly. Uh, I'm still working on some of that stuff, but so far metric matchups will definitely be something I'll be working on and also working on uh, – I mean, I don't know what Bears fans want to hear now. They seem to be all depressed, so they might not even be going to read anything, but um, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out as I go along. But those are some of the things I'll be messing with on top of just general draft uh, breakdown type stuff. And uh, mock draft will probably be coming in a month. Ooh. So you'll probably see my first actual mock draft by that point. I could just release it now and then take credit for stuff people that haven't caught up. So people that haven't actually watched the tape, as I like to say. But uh, I don't know. But I will be doing something like that as well. And uh, and yeah, so I will be doing uh, doing that kind of stuff uh, in the future. And you also find me at. Uh, capital J, little M, little C, little B, little E, little R, little N, one on uh, Twitter. And, uh, yeah. So, that's it. I'll be doing that kind of stuff. Chicago, Chicago Bears related stuff. Awesomeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, that, first of all, you know, welcome to the misery, um, I guess. It's one of the things I want to throw in there, and I guess uh, I will be beyond excited about seeing what you do in terms of that. Uh, My first piece for Nuts and Bolts Sports has been submitted for publication and should drop hopefully tomorrow. I guess I'll know very soon. Also, I'll have a piece uh, popping up tomorrow for um, what do you call it? Um, Fanspeak as well under the CDS uh, sub aegis on their uh, on their page as well, and as always, uh, I thank both of you for your time, your talent, and your attention. Uh, tomorrow we will actually look at matchups um, and see, you know, what the heck's going on in terms of the uh, the now slightly more defined college football landscape. Um, you know, which not too long ago was sort of amorphous and a blob. Now we're getting at least an idea of uh, who's good and who isn't. And I think more important, or equally as important, we're getting an idea of which teams can survive when they don't have their best players, they don't have uh, all the things that they thought they would have, you know, from one week to the next. And, you know, like I said, even though Notre Dame lost that game and I thought they would, hats off to them for how they held up with some of the injuries they've had so far. Uh, that's going to be a dangerous team all year long. And, you know, as a person who sort of has always actively, I don't want to say rooted against, might be just for us, might not just other work. But um, I, I do have a high level of respect for uh, the coaching staff there and the players there. and. Uh, I will be excited to see, like I said, how all of it plays out, but especially the teams that are still around, near, uh, in the discussion, things like that for the the playoffs. We will soon have, a, like I said, a pretty good idea 
of the teams that will be there when it's all said and done. <clears throat> so we'll discuss those teams in more detail tomorrow, and then we'll do this show again in one week. Uh, once again, as always, it's an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure, gentlemen. And I thank you again, and good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.